You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I am here. Aaron is here. Cooley will be here shortly, and we'll sit in for uh, the majority, the significant majority of the show. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them uh, we told you to call. Uh, Lots of Redskins and lots of NFL draft on the show today with Cooley. That is going to be most, if not all of the show. The other part of the show, uh, minimal part of the show, will be the Caps. Although I did, Aaron, last night, stay up and watch the entire Clippers-Warriors game. None of you really care about that, but God, I love watching Lou Williams. Uh, and it's 3-2 in that series. Crazy. Um, by the way, real quick response to Hal on Twitter, who I was just searching through um, Twitter this morning and 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 clicked on my my mentions or whatever they call those the responses or whatever, and he asked me a question that I I didn't even consider and haven't considered before, but he asked me why don't you tweet during Caps games? You tweet during every other team's games. Were you watching the game last night? Uh, I did watch the game last night. I watched all seven of the playoff games against Carolina. I don't watch a lot of regular season hockey. I've admitted that before, and I'm not a passionate Caps fan at all. I I wouldn't even consider myself a Caps fan. Um, Of the teams in town, that's at the bottom of the list. Uh, You know, I love the Redskins. I love Maryland basketball. I love the Wizards, and I like the Nats. You know, I like Maryland football, but the Caps, for whatever reason, it's just never been my thing. Um, But the answer as to why I don't tweet during Caps games, I thought about it, and I think it's actually a simple answer. I I don't think I know enough about the team and the game to tweet anything worthwhile in 280 characters. you got plenty of people that are really into this thing that you should be following on Twitter um, during these games. Also, again, I'm not emotionally involved like I am with some of the other teams. So that's the answer. On this podcast, however, before we get to Cooley here uh, in a moment, um, I'm going to talk about last night's game because, you know, the history of this team, you know, is a big storyline, of course, whenever they lose um, in the postseason. You know, this was another Game 7 loss. They are 5-12 and 12 now in Game 7s as a franchise, 3-9 and nine at home in Game 7s. The Ovechkin era, they are 4-8 and eight in Game 7s. This was another 2-0 series lead blown. Um, and in this series, up three games to two, they had the lead in Game 6, and they led last night by two goals twice during the game in a seventh and deciding game. The Washington Post headline, sports headline this morning, was harsh, but I think it fit. Back to reality was the headline. Uh, Who cares really about reality, though, if you're a Caps fan? And I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm going to project here um, for a moment and and try to put myself into the position of if the Redskins had won the Super Bowl uh, in 2006-17 and then last year got to the playoffs and lost a home game against a perceived inferior team, I would still have the Super Bowl right. from the year before. They won the Cup last year. That's a pass. 
that is a pass for at least a year, if not two or three more. I was going to say, that's a three-year pass. A three-year pass, whatever you want to put on it, it's a pass of some sort. With some, there's an expiration date to the pass. Absolutely. Um, but it's not a year later. It's not 12 months. Last night, I understand that it stings. You know, a Caps loss in the postseason stings. But not as much as losing to Pittsburgh the many times before, or the Rangers, or the Canadians, or anybody else that you lost to before you finally won the Stanley Cup. The season ended earlier than expected for a team that was a division winner and a f- and a favorite over a team with limited postseason experience, with the exception of Justin Williams primarily. Um, but wouldn't you, in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, trade last night for what happened last May and June? Of course you would. With that said, a few observations about Game 7. Um, I'll start with this. I really do have a hard time thinking of anything more dramatic in sports than a seventh and deciding game in the NHL playoffs that goes to overtime. It is the true sudden death description. It is going to happen at some point and it's going to happen unexpectedly and it's going to be quick. Last night it was like just a flick towards the net and boom, it's over. It is so dramatic in such a compelling watch if you are into drama of any sort. It is the best postseason, overtime hockey, especially in a seventh and deciding game. Last night was an awesome sporting event and game to watch. Um, I'll start with this after that, you know, overall feeling about overtime hockey. They didn't choke. All right, they came out last night and dominated the first period. Did anybody watching that game last night think that they were going to lose after they took a 2-0 lead? Not me. I was like, all right, you're going to get your Islanders and Trots thing, and there was no chance. Was there in anybody's mind, the way they dominated that first period, that, that they were going to win this game? They came out as the team with the swagger, the team with the championship pedigree from a year ago, the team with the best players, especially the best offensive players, and they came out and they, they had a 2-0 lead. And yes, I thought it should have been more. And Joe B. and Locker talked about the domination of that first period should have led to something greater than two to nothing. I actually thought that it could have easily been four to nothing in that game after the first period, but it wasn't, but it was still two to nothing. And there was no concern at all. No concern. It, it had game five written all over it in that first period. To choke a game. You really have to feel the pressure of a seventh and deciding game, and you feel that early. We've seen that with this franchise before, you know, in seventh and deciding games where you knew from the jump that the team was tight. They weren't tight last night. I thought that the shorthanded goal in the second period with the Caps on the power play up 2 nothing changed everything. It was a fluky kind of shorthanded goal, probably one that Holtby should have stopped. And it made Carolina, a team that, you know, constantly Joe B. and Locker were talking about, they just won't go away. They're just so relentless. And it was true. It was true. But Game 5 was what we were headed towards had they gotten a power play goal there. 
And instead, there was a shorthanded goal, and I was in the moment. I'm like, wow, first of all, you don't see shorthanded goals that often. Secondly, you don't see a shorthanded goal like that very often. There was traffic. He was defended. It wasn't like a, a bad pass that skipped over a stick, and all of a sudden you had a breakaway as a shorthanded goal. It was a shot that Holtby didn't stop, and then a rebound score on a shorthanded goal. The third observation was the observation that I, as a sports fan, not a hockey guy, but as a sports fan, and we talked to every guest that we had on um, during this series um, about this very thing, but the Carolina pressure, and to me, and I made the analogy of a team that, you know, presses in basketball and turns you over in basketball and really just makes you uncomfortable, you know, with pressure. It was there from the beginning of the series, and it was there last night over the final two periods and in the overtimes. The forechecking, the constant pressure, there was never anything easy for the Caps, and the Caps defensemen in particular. They chased down the puck, and somebody was chasing them down consistently. I don't watch a lot of hockey during the regular season. I do watch it during the postseason. Maybe somebody could correct me on this, but I thought Carolina's style in this series was a style I don't usually see. Constant forechecking pressure, full ice pressure, making the other team uncomfortable. I would have thought that it would have led to more breakout opportunities for the Caps with all of that pressure. You know, one good pass, they break the pressure, and then all of a sudden there's a two-on-one. You didn't get as much of that as I thought you could have gotten in this series. But the Carolina pressure also, I think, wore the Caps out last night. I thought they ran out of gas. They were dominated in the overtimes. And I know that you can be dominated and still win the game in hockey, obviously. And the Caps had opportunities. Verona hit the post in overtime. You know, and and it could have ended right there. But Carolina was the fresher team, fresher-legged team. The Caps were really tired. I thought Ovechkin in particular looked exhausted in those overtimes. And Carolina had the ice tilted, as they say. I mean, it was really amazing that it went all the way into midway through the second overtime. I thought Carolina, with the pressure they were putting on and the, the, the amount of puck possession that they had, it just seemed like the Caps couldn't clear the zone. 70% of the time. And I just thought it looked like we were headed towards a Carolina win in that overtime. And I, you know, again, Caps had opportunities. Ovechkin had one, you know, off of a pass right there on a a low, you know, hard one-timing drive that Mrazek stopped. Um, But Carolina dominated the overtimes. I thought the Caps, from all of the pressure, just ran ran out of gas. Um, Big Obviously, McGinn's save of a goal at the end of regulation was massive, and then the you know the the goal in overtime to win it off of the Justin Williams you know throwing the puck towards the net. McGinn was really the hero. Justin Williams was a big time hero in this series. Mister Game Seven. The only problem is, is when he was here in Washington, he didn't do anything in that Game Seven against Pittsburgh two years ago, but he did it for Carolina last night. Um, But the Big picture of why are the Caps out this year versus last year. This is is really sort of a gut feel. Um, I'm not 
going to back it up with a lot of substance. It's for you guys to chew on and for you to correct me if I'm wrong or agree with me if you might. And you can do that on social media, uh, following me on Twitter, at uh, Kevin uh, DC. Is that my Twitter address? Yes. Okay, just wanted to check. Uh, that's the other thing. I don't tweet as much as most people, so I don't even know my Twitter address. I do know my Twitter address because I got it right, but it, for so long it was at Kevin S980. It's now at Kevin Sheehan DC. There you go. Um, as Aaron just laughs at me, I, I'm, I'm better on social media. I don't tweet as much as many of you guys do in the media, but I've tweeted a lot more over the last six months, as you know, because we need to promote this podcast. Um, and I like doing that anyway. Um, here, here's my big picture take have at it, uh, on Twitter. If you, if you, if you want, the owner went cheap on the coach. You don't let a championship coach go, especially a championship coach that got you your first championship after so many years of suffering in the postseason. You don't nickel and dime that coach. It's just bad business. Now, there may be part of this story I don't know, and there may be context to the story, and maybe it just wasn't what they wanted to do because they didn't like Barry or they thought Reardon was so much better. But you nickeled and dimed a championship coach. From that perspective, if I'm right about that, then Ted got what he deserved on that front. I am rooting for Barry Trotz the rest of the way to win a cup in New York with the Islanders. Because, again, I may be wrong for a lot of reasons. I'm just telling you that the first thing I thought of last night was, wow, you swapped out an assistant coach for a Stanley Cup championship coach over a few nickels and dimes and a few you know, hard-line salary contract positions. Oh, well, that was our position. This is how much we were going to give you as a bonus if you won the cup. To hell with that. Last May and June was so special, and Barry Trotz was the guy to lead it. And you let him go for a few nickels and dimes. Anyway, uh, their season's over. All of the division winners are out in the postseason. And, uh, and, and there you go. It's a crazy sport, man, in this postseason. I don't mind it at all. I recognize it for what it is. Uh, there's a lot of randomness to the results of these postseason games in this particular sport. I think it's what makes it so exciting. That in these overtime close games, in these lengthy series, but um, the fact that you can go into this particular postseason, unlike any other sport, and you have a chance to win it all, despite what you did in the regular season, makes it fun. I mean, it, it is best of sevens in every other sport, the, the, in baseball to a lesser degree, um, in basketball to a much greater degree. Usually you get the best team. In hockey, you just get the team that gets on a roll or gets the luckiest. In Carolina's case against the Caps, I really believe that you can say ultimately after seven games – that the better team in this series won. I thought they probably, well, I I don't think probably. I think they played better for the majority of the series than the Caps did. Doesn't mean that the Caps didn't have a couple of great games like Game 5. Doesn't mean they didn't have a couple of great periods like the first period last night. 
But overall, over seven games, watching every single minute of every single one of these seven games, to me, as a very casual hockey observer, I thought Carolina was the better team. Slightly, but that they were the better team and they deserved to win. So they go on and they get the Islanders, right? And then it's Columbus against um, Boston. Boston in the other series. And... I don't. I have no idea what the NHL is probably rooting for at this point, but I would imagine a big market team like New York would help a ton uh, for them, um, if that's even a thing in hockey, uh, because it, it tends to be regional in terms of ratings. But but New York in, in or Boston, Boston either one of good. either one of those teams in the Stanley Cup Finals would probably be a great thing. The Caps are out. I will still pay attention as I usually do to the postseason. You you there should be an app that alerts anybody you could be able to, should be able to download an app that tells you, hey, turn on uh uh you know the turn on CNBC or NBC Sports Network because the game's going to overtime in hockey. It's called Twitter. <laughs> well I I understand that, but you should have yeah. there should be a dedicated Twitter account that you could follow that says, hey, guys, hey it's a, it's a turn to NBC Sports minutes. Network <laughs> You're in overtime in a a hockey postseason. Tie game, game. five minutes left. It was great. Um, uh, And last year's not forgotten either. It was such a special thing. And still to this day, for me, last year, um, the most entertaining part of last year was Ovechkin getting the you know, the 50,000-pound gorilla off his back, and then the way he celebrated that, not just that night in Vegas, but for the several months that followed. The, the most heartbreaking thing I saw yesterday was, uh, so the Stanley Cup itself has a Twitter account, and it tweeted, uh, Ovi, this isn't goodbye, it's just see you later. Yeah. That that broke my heart a little bit. Um, the greatest romance of our time. And I, it was a great romance. I yes. mean, he took advantage of that romance, and uh, boy, was he loving, caring, and affectionate um, during that relationship. That was fun to watch. Anyway, uh, that's it on the cap season. Um, I Joe B was going to join us today. Um, I was I shouldn't say that. I tried to get Joe B to join us today. He had uh, he had a commitment this morning. May get him on the show tomorrow just to wrap up the cap season uh, and talk a bit about that a little bit tomorrow. All right, Cooley is here. Um, we will get started on everything about tonight, um, and we will start with even more stories and rumors and tweets about what the Redskins are doing and how it's being run right after we tell you uh, about Window Nation. Window Nation uh, has their spring deal in full effect right now. Have you started your spring checklist? Do you have one of those? Like checking the hose to see if it works, the lawnmower, uh, and then go around and check your windows right now. If you're struggling to get a window open or if there's one that's cracked or there's one that's fogged up, Right now may be the time to consider new energy-efficient windows from Window Nation. Take advantage of their 33% off sale going on right now on your entire project, including installation. Seriously, right now, and I know that this isn't something that everybody does in the springtime, but this is the time to take advantage of a great deal that you may not get again until next year. Window Nation has been a company that I've been dealing with for over a decade. They've installed windows in my home twice over the last decade. I know the founders, Harley and Aaron, really well. Eric's a big part of what they do there. I know Eric very well. It's a first-rate company 
some of the best entrepreneurs I have ever met. They're smart and they're customer driven. When I use them, the two times I use them, it went so smoothly from the time that I had somebody come out, come into my home to give me an estimate. They weren't intrusive. They were very methodical. They didn't get in anybody's way and they didn't bullshit me. Like they went room by room and they said, you probably could use a couple of windows here, but Kevin, you don't need them in this room and you don't need them in that room. And that's the way the relationship started because I got one room taken care of. And then about five years later, I said, I got a couple of windows I'm not sure about. They came out, they gave me an estimate, and I took advantage of that as well. Right now, you can take advantage of their 33% off sale. All right, you can get 33% off everything, windows, siding, doors too. The entire job with installation is all 33% off. Plus, to make quality even more affordable, get a house of windows for as low as $69 a month. That's cheaper than your cell phone bill. And if you call this week, Window Nation will give you free blinds for every window you purchase. Think about this, 33% off your entire order, $69 a month for brand new energy efficient windows, plus free blinds. If you're in the market for new windows, siding, or doors, give Window Nation a call to experience their industry-best customer service with a free in-home estimate. Trust me, these guys are amazing. Let them put a check on your home upgrade checklist. 866-90NATION is the number. Call 866-90NATION. If you think you need new windows or you just want an estimate on windows to be replaced, even if you don't think you need new ones, but you want new ones because you want something to look better, call 866-90NATION. Use my name. You'll get a free in-home estimate. And by the way, the price quote they give you is good for 60 days, so it's not like you have to make up your mind right away. 866-90NATION or online at windownation.com. That's 866 90 Nation, you will not be disappointed. I promise you, tell them that I sent you. All right, guess who's in studio for the first time? Uh, he's called in many times, but I made him come in today to be with me in studio because I thought we were going to do more than probably just 30 or 45 minutes of draft talk. But Chris Cooley is here with me. Good morning. Good morning to you. How you doing? It's a massive studio, it's huge. It's about 105 square feet. We really don't need any more. We soundproofed it. This is all you need. Why would I spend a lot of money on a big studio when truly I don't want to have more than two or three people in here at one time anyway? Well, you're a frivolous kind of person. I'm, you know what? I learned some of that from you. <laughs> like very little of it. Um, let's start the show like we always used to start the show with what do you got? Because I've got a story for you. What do you got? So you probably don't have anything because I just sprung this on you. But, I always have. So this is my thing. But guess where I was on Easter Sunday late afternoon and evening? Charlotte. No. Why would you guess Charlotte? You told me to guess. <laughs> I was in Atlantic City at the Borgata. I knew that. You, you told me that. Oh, I did tell you that? Yeah, you went with your son. I did. Um, we were up uh, at in-laws in New Jersey, and we decided to drive back. And do you know the last time? That I was in Atlantic City at the Borgata was yeah. for your bachelor party, which was how many years ago now? When would that have been? Five years ago? Six years ago? Two? No, your bachelor party. Three? Not more than three. When did you and Maddie this is, get this married? Is, this is three. This when is, did you? This is three. This is coming this up on three. three coming, about three years. Oh, so now. it's yeah. three years ago. Okay. 
Um, it seemed and, like five years and ago that we were friends and hung here's out together. What, here's what I remembered about that, that particular bachelor party evening at the Borgata. First of all, we went to the Eddie Money concert. Remember how good he was? Two tickets. We had tickets to Eddie Money. Two tickets. And two tickets to Paradise. And uh, we had more than two tickets. And that is that was the story of the night. Is where where were you guys all night? Oh, we were at the Eddie Money concert. He was so good playing at Harris, uh, which was not true. The other thing I remembered was for whatever reason, every girl that walked by us was Jamie. Hey Jamie. <laughs> hey Jamie. What, where did that come from? And it just came from my guess that you were in Charlotte. It's just random. It was totally random. Why not random. have a little bit of fun? And then lastly, which was so cooly, we're sitting there and we're playing cards. We're, we're playing blackjack for, I don't know, a couple of hours. And and he was, um, he at, at one point, he was definitely overserved. And so we decided to no, have, no, no, no. When we checked in. We were overserved because we, we had played, we played golf, golf on the way. Um, but per per usual, and this was my fault because I was blamed for it. Um, we leave the blackjack table, and all of us headed up to the room to continue uh, drinking and whatever. And Cooley, at some point, as overserved as he was, said, "Damn it! Where's my phone? Shit! Where's my wallet? Where are my keys? You didn't have anything with you. You had left it all at the blackjack table." But that didn't. That wasn't because I was overserved. Oh, it was. It was more because that's what I do. It's what you do. It's what you do. So I went downstairs, and sure enough, the pit boss, who was entertained by our card playing for several hours, said, "Hey, uh, your, your guy, he left all this shit here." And I said, "Thank you very much." So it wasn't lost. And then the last part of that weekend, do you remember what happened the following morning? Do you remember who called me to ask me to help with something? No. Adam Schefter called. Do you remember this? Not really. Adam Schefter calls me. I look down at my phone. We're, we're playing, uh, I, I don't know, we were, we were back in the casino early on, it was a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning or whatever it was. And Adam Schefter called me to say, hey, I need your help with something. And I said, what? And he said, um, Mike, Mike didn't like something that was written about him. I forget exactly what the circumstances was. And he wants to go public with some of this stuff, Mike Shanahan. I understand who Mike is when you say Mike. And he said, you got to call him and, and talk him out of, of, of doing this. This would make him look bad. And so I, I, I went up, I left, the, I left the table, went up, called him, and I forget what it was. He was criticized by somebody about something that he had said. And I just said to him, I go, you don't respond to that. Just let it go. If you respond, you're going to look defensive, and it's going to blow up into something bigger. And I said, by tomorrow, nobody's even going to remember this story. And he said, all right, it's good advice. Thanks very much. And he never said anything. And then uh, Adam said, what did he say? And I said, he listened to me. He's not going to talk to anybody. That's what I remember about the last time I was in Atlantic City. It was with you and all of your degenerate friends and we had a blast. And Good you time. were just as degenerate. I was just as degenerate. And I think, actually, on that particular trip, I lost a good sum of money, which did not happen on Sunday when I got, you know, I won some money playing blackjack and then got on one of those craps tables where a dude got on like a 20, 25-minute roll and I had every number. 
and I was pressing. That's the most fun. The most fun you can have in a casino. The most fun you can have in a, in, in a casino, and um, and what was even better is rather than staying after that long roll and losing all that money back, which typically happens, it was late. We had said we're going to get some dinner and then go home because I wanted to get home to watch Game of Thrones. Which have you watched both episodes? No, I haven't watched really Game of Thrones, but I there's a reason behind this, and that's I've waited 18 months, so I'm just going to wait until I can watch them all at once. You're going to binge it, yeah, but aren't you hearing about the episodes? No, I live in a cave, (laughs) (laughs) I live in a cave with cartoons and children. All right, what do you got? You got anything for me or not? I mean, I got a lot of stuff. One, I, I, it's been four months minimum since I've seen your face. You look great. You look like you've been working out. I actually, uh, I, I have a Peloton bike. Got a Peloton bike a couple of weeks ago, and I've been doing it religiously every single day. So I've lost, I haven't talked about this, but I appreciate you asking, and I appreciate you noticing, I have lost eight pounds in two weeks. I need to lose 25 pounds. That's the goal. Let me just give you a tip here. Don't eat. Let me give you a. Let me put a little tip in. Uh, eight pounds is is just water weight. The, I understand you that. Need, you need you. You're going to hit a line at about twelve. That's when you really gotta you gotta bear down. You gotta suck it up. You gotta you gotta Peloton even harder. Here's why I disagree with you, and you have more expertise in this area. But of gaining and losing in the last six months, I put on. I mean, I literally put on like 18 pounds. I, I, I'm the heaviest. I've, I was the heaviest two weeks ago that I've ever been. And the biggest issue is I still get up super early. I've not been able to break that getting up at 5 a.m. thing. I go to bed late. I'm not sleeping enough. That's a big part of it. And before I go to bed, I eat, which is not a good thing. So... If I cut out the eating and I get a little bit more sleep and I add the exercise to it, I think I'm going to lose a lot of weight quickly. I think it's going to be like 15 to 20 pounds in a month. I think I can do that in a month. Yeah, but still, that's like, you're not it losing might be, the, real the weight. You're losing a lot of weight. Yeah, but you got to. A month is just going to go right back on if you quit. So don't I'm, quit. I, well, I won't quit. I won't quit. It, it, it's easier not to quit over the summer than it is during the winter. You talked to me yesterday about this bike, and I have a Kaiser bike, which is essentially the exact same thing as the Peloton bike. It's just a different program that you're watching. But you have live instructors, right, as you're working well, out? Well, you would put an iPad up, and yes, it would. you can have live instructors. I don't particularly like the class or the live instructor, so I just have a few programs that I do. I broke the pedal off yesterday. I, it's crazy. It stripped out the pedal, so I I was riding hard for 15 minutes thinking about you, and then poof, <laughs> you were thinking the about pedal me, and popped that's when you off. Broke the pedal. So I got to go to Kaiser and I got to get a new pedal or a new pedal, like the bar that holds the pedal, because well, I can't I can't get it back in. It's stripped out. They should. It's a brand new bike. Do you need special shoes for the for the Kaiser no. bike? So you do for Pelot- the Peloton. See, I have bike shoes. You you lock into I have the pedals. Those. I have okay. those shoes. Okay, you could use them. Well, but I'm asking you: Does the Kaiser bike that had have nothing the locked-in shoes? Yeah, but that had nothing. Yes, but that had nothing to do with the pedal braking. Okay, it was just hard riding on your part. 
I actually like the live instructor part. And I have not done a live class. I've done the recorded classes. And I've tried to find the most attractive of instructors, female instructors. That's actually helpful. Um, And I do find that the encouragement doesn't allow me to just stop. Like, I finished... Now, I haven't done it at the cadence level, at the uh, at the resistance level throughout the workout. That's the part that gets you is when they increase the resistance level to a level where it's like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to keel over here. So I'll just not always hit that resistance level, but I have completed... How sore is your ass? That's, interestingly enough, with my lower back issues, that's the biggest problem I have on a bike and I've always had on a you, bike. You can't ride 20 my, miles the it, first day because you're feel like you've been right i did tortured right i've i've done the the 30 minute program twice but i've done the 45 minute programs like five or six you wear the biker shorts no i don't wear biker shorts well you just wear the biker shorts because there's pads in them well you know what maybe i should have some padding because it my my ass does hurt and my lower back hurts which is why i've always used the elliptical i've got an elliptical in my house which is no impact and really you don't feel anything on your lower back now, part of these rides, you stand up, you get off the seat, which helps. And then, you know, when you can get off the seat for two minutes and then sit back down, it helps. Anyway, I, I'm actually a fan of this thing so far. I did not think I would be. It was my wife who decided we were going to get it, and I've used it a lot. Um, so I was in Utah. Yeah. I went back to the Utah State spring game. Were you invited to the Utah State spring game? Or you I just was, decided I was asked to come, yes, and we they had a meeting with all of the sponsors, I guess, or donors. Is that what you call it in a college level? Sure. So we did that yeah, meeting. Then there, there was like 20 pros that came back. Greg Cregan was a Utah State Aggie. I, I don't even know if I remember that, but I was a huge Broncos fan. Who, who's the most famous football alum at Utah State? Uh, Rulin Olson, I would say. Rulin Jones? Phil Olson and Rulin Olson. Or Mer- sorry, Merlin, 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 Merlin sorry. Olson. Good job, Chris. He's so famous. Yeah, but Merlin, Merlin Olson's Mer- dead. But it doesn't mean he's not the most famous. He's probably okay. the most famous. Who's the most famous alive? Right gonna... now, probably Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner went to Utah State. You got you to be second, right? I don't know. There's Yes. Do, do, I mean, when, when they announce you in front of a – do they announce you in front of well, the, the crowd? Well, the spring game generates about 1,500 people. I was going to say, the Utah State spring game. And it's now Maverick Stadium. It, it used to be Romney Stadium when I was there. But I met this buddy, and the, it was fun because I hadn't been back a lot, and I haven't – Logan, Utah doesn't have high school reunions yeah. for whatever reason. So he was a big baseball player back in high school. You could throw that speedball by you, man, make you look – Fastball. Like a fool. Did you just refer to it as a speedball? Yeah, and I saw him, you know, the other night there. We were at this roadside bar. He was walking in, and I was walking out. We went back inside, and we sat down and had a few drinks. Kevin, you know, all we kept talking about, just glory days, how they'll pass you by. <laughs> when are you going to get this? I've got the lyrics. Come I'm, on, I, man. I, I got I, you. Got, I had you. I've got, I've got the lyrics, but I thought the reason I, I was so has, here, so, but, but I, I do have a story. Gonna, I do I have a story. You're going to tell me the blood doctor story. I, I, that's what I was I've waiting for. I told the blood doctor story two or three times. You're, I'm not going to read it. To me, it. not to anybody listening on the no, podcast. I told, I, well, I have a podcast as oh, well. Oh, you so told it on that story on my podcast. And then I interviewed the blood doctor on my podcast. Okay. James Laval. So for your podcast, to the people that don't listen to Well, a lot of people listen to both, so I don't want to be repetitive, but why don't you see if you can summarize it? Here, I'll it. summarize it really quickly. 
going back to your Atlantic City story. Couldn't find my wallet that morning. I know it's in the house. Actually, now I'm not so sure. I still haven't found it. Uh, couldn't find the wallet. Unbelievable. Ran around, finally found the passport. Made the flight. Everything is cool. Get to Salt Lake City. It's 100 miles, 90 miles away from Logan. They will not rent you a car without a driver's license. Right. You now, I had been there three years ago, and it was an off-site, out-of-the-airport rental car place, and they did rent me a car with a passport. So I'm on hold with DMV forever. And some lady came came up to me while I was on hold, and I was wearing a Utah State you, shirt. You're calling DMV to get them to yeah, like they'll fax, fax over a yeah, picture of your yeah. license. So Jesus this lady God. says, "Yeah, my son plays at Utah State, and I'm trying to listen on hold." I ignored it. Twenty five minutes go by, and I thought, "Wait a minute, she's going to Logan." So I just stalked him through the airport, and when they got done getting their key, I walked up and I said. Hey, is there any way you can take me to Logan? <laughs> yeah, just, sure. What's your name? Just, oh, my name's Chris, by the way. And we, we introduce ourselves. And so this guy is... And did they know you when you introduced yourself? Or did they just not, say, I'll well, take this they random did, dude? They did. J- James Laval is the, is the guy's name. And he he does all the blood work now for the NFL Hall of Fame. And he's doing a ton of stuff. Well, he does a ton of stuff on every level. Essentially, just to evaluate your your blood work and your metabolism and what's going into your body by by seeing what's in your blood and that's that's the forefront of of sports man how are so the- we so we spent two hours talking and then i i if you want to listen coolly at the park i i spent 45 minutes on an interview where it's intriguing is it's not just a sports thing like for you with how you're going to lose weight or what what you have or what you don't have how you should train on any given day your blood tells you i'm just fascinated that teams don't do that now, I'm really fascinated. You know, every individual athlete, like that dude Lomachenko, he gets his blood drawn every day. I think that would be inconvenient and a pain in the ass, even it if takes, it's for optimum are you, performance. Because you're afraid of needles? No, I'm not afraid of needles. I just don't – I wouldn't want a needle you know, in takes, my arm every day. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Um, it looks like you have some tracks there. Yeah. They take it out of, like, out of the webs of his fingers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, where are they? I mean, where are you getting? Blood you could every do day? it. You could do it once a week, and it, it would be amazing to know, as a professional athlete, what you're doing. But anyway, the, like Doctor Laval or James Laval says, basically, once Is it you Laval get, or Lavelle, Laval. Okay. Once you get on the right track, if I if he said if I have a guy that has some problems, I'd want to continue to look at it and continue to see it and monitor it. Once you get a guy on the right track, you know, every couple months is fine. Okay. That's good. I mean, but I, he's working with a bunch of professional. He's working with the Orlando Magic. He he works with the Blackhawks. He works with. All right, that's awesome. Let me. So, anyways, cut, I want to just cut to the chase of what this minute summary was supposed to be about. I'm done. Which you have? No, you're not done. And that is, several NFL teams have these kinds of people on their payroll. Seattle, Philadelphia, some of the real progressive, forward-thinking teams when it comes to health and nutrition and and all of that stuff and. There is a team that is very much behind the times when it comes to this, and that team would be? Well, I think the Redskins are definitely behind the times on this, but I think that team is 24 teams in the league at a minimum. I don't know that for sure because any team, I, I looked through a bunch of teams. Most teams have two or three or four guys on their weight staff, two or three or four guys, four or five maybe in their training staff. How many do the to Redskins do this have? to individualize this? You should be no more than five to one player to trainer, player to trainer to player, trainer. Yes, yeah, excuse me, trainer 
You're saying one trainer, one trainer per five players. Per five players yeah. at a minimum. Right. And Small the way th- the way this whole thing has always worked through the time I played, and it still is, is you're, you're essentially clustered into groups like the tight ends and linebackers. Everyone in that 240 to 260 range is going to do a lot of the same type of work, and the linemen are going to do a lot of the same type of work. But essentially, you're individualizing it to different metabolisms and body types versus sizes. Right. And so you really should be clustering it into – this is the kind of group that we have to develop because they're low on a certain level. They're, they're anemic, maybe low on iron, or they're low on magnesium. We've got to develop this kind of program for these guys. These guys are going to train better at this level. Or the, it's not indiv- what all I'm saying is we don't individualize at all. Like if you went into when I played, if you went into the training room and said, "Can I get a 30 minute stretch and a, and a, a literally hands on massage?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cute man. Well, there's a massage place down here. The chiropractor is at this building. That... Let, let me just. Tell... And so it's just. I'm amazed. I'm the fascinated. Reds, the Redskins are stuck in the '90s when it comes to all of this stuff, and not that they're Correct. the only team. Not that they're the only team. This is what you've told me. Um, but the teams that are progressive thinking, you know, out of the box thinking, not even out of the box, um, but the Seattle's and the Philadelphia uh, Philadelphias of the world are leaps and bounds ahead of the Redskins. Leaps and bounds. Okay. And and it's it's just interesting. Uh, not just that. Could it, you could go it like you go look at Man- you go look at like Manchester United. If they had 30 players, they have 30 trainers. Could it explain all the injury problems? So in talking had? to James Laval, he said 50% of injuries is essentially nutrition. Like 50% of injuries built up is has to do with your body. I mean, do you walk into the Redskins nutrition? Do you walk into the Redskins cafeteria and there's pizza, chicken tenders and and hot dogs and well, hamburgers, it's, it's, or is de- there no, fish it's de- chicken? No, it's definitely improved. There's still some bad choices that you can make in that, but it's definitely improved. But I'm I'm just interested, you know, if you take a guy's blood and you say these are this is X, Y, and Z, that that meal plan should be catered in a certain fashion. You should take home dinner made pre-made. You're going to have this kind of deal. You should have everything ready to go for you. Right. You're talking about 22 year old kids who. Right, who are essentially on their own, probably not going to make great choices. All of them. How so many you don't, of those? You... How many of those dudes on the way home, the young guys, you know, before they become professional, for the lack of a better description, are just stopping at the McDonald's drive-through on the way home? I think it's less and less now because people are more concerned about what they're putting into their bodies. But a lot, yeah. And it's not like you can't stop that, but you can at least get them. A, a base four meals a day that is pre-made, but you can't take one nutritionist, which is what the Redskins currently have, in 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 building and, and stay say, all over develop guys. develop meal plans for eighty guys right. or fifty five guys during the season. It's right. you need if you had fifty guys, you need eight or ten of them. And here's the other thing that's crazy: this isn't part of the nutrition, but there is no sports psychiatry. At all. It's, it's almost faux pas in the NFL to see a psych. But you're not talking about daddy issues or past problems in life for most of these guys. You're talking about getting the right mental state. And, oh, by the way, that blood makeup stuff, all the neurons that fire in their brain, if you're not in the right blood makeup chemistry of your body, your neurons aren't firing. Uh, this is me saying this, by the way, the, like the anti-this. When I, I know, play. but you are more into this now than you were as a player. Well, if I'm running a team, I want every possible yeah. edge and – what I'm suggesting right now, like, how much would you pay for three more wins? 
Over the last three years, it's three playoff years. Five I mean, million, bu- the, five billion, million bucks a year. What's the cost you- of increasing your nutritionist staff and adding a psych and adding, you know, what million bucks, couple million bucks? It's it's three, four. What if it was it's five? Pennies for an NFL franchise. Uh, it, it's pennies, and and you're sitting there saying, like, here's a good for example. What did Orlando Scandrick make last year in, in guaranteed money? I think he got like one eight. Ah, oh, he doesn't really fit us. Let's get. Right. They throw it away. You throw one eight away just on a player who you didn't necessarily like as opposed to properly. You could have hired six six to seven high-quality contributors on the medical training nutrition staff. This Here's my only at concern. 200 to 300 a year. Here's my only concern. How many players? Because this happened in Seattle, and it definitely happened with Chip Kelly in Philly with the sleep study stuff, which is another thing. How many players said, oh, they're just, they just want to know every part of my life? How many players don't don't want to get their blood drawn because they're afraid that they passed the marijuana test once and now all of a sudden they don't want the team to know they're smoking weed? But in theory, no team's turning their own players in. Right. Yeah. It's all for the benefit. I right. don't know. Okay. Okay. Let's. It's, that, it's, that let's you know, the draft to, is today. Yeah, the draft is today. Let's get to this because this is what happens. We end up talking about other shit for an hour and then we t- spend five minutes on many, the draft. How but many that's not going to happen. Do you use? Do you ever f bomb on here? I'm sorry. Do you have any F-bombs in your podcast history yet? Oh, yeah, plenty. Yeah, we can. you can say whatever I know you want. I can. I'm just asking if you do. Oh, yeah. I don't even realize it, but every early on when I would drop F-bombs, people would tweet me or Aaron and say, oh, I didn't know Sheehan was allowed to do that. I, I Since it's your podcast, I think well, you are. Let me just, apparently, we can, but it can't be like over the top without filing for some sort of rating. On the podcast, but mm. we're good. We're we're, we're good. I, um, I I'm not interested. All right, I, I, here's what I want to. Uh, I've got a lot of topics to cover about the draft, which um, we are several hours away from. But I, I want to start with this. I want to get a sense of what you think of some of the reports that have been out there the last couple of days from Diana Rossini, from Grant Paulson, from Mike Garofalo, the whole thing um, about trading up. Uh, you know, most of the, uh, the the stories have dealt with the Redskins want to trade up. All right, they're they're going to trade up to three with the Jets. They're going to trade up inside the top five. You know, they're going to trade to five with Tampa to get ahead of the Giants. I think the obvious answer for most of us would be they want a quarterback. Grant yesterday on um, 106.7 uh, put out something that was uh, interesting in that I think some of us have felt for a while that this is this was going to be a slightly different offseason, and I do want your reaction to this one. He tweeted out, just talked to a Redskins source who told me Dan Snyder has taken over the first round of the draft, uh, and the last time this happened, the Redskins traded two future number ones and a number two to move up to take Robert Griffin III. On all of these reports, do you believe any of this stuff? Is it possible that Bruce is throwing this stuff out there to get people talking about stuff? And Look I, at Grant's next tweet. Yeah, I saw that. The I Redskins did. categorically deny through a call totally wily. Like he, got, he got reprimanded for it. It's well, hysterical. Well, if you okay, so I wasn't going to bring it up because I, I didn't want to be overly critical because I, I thought Grant's first tweet was enough. If you have a source, all right, if you have a source – and you, and that's a story that he's broken. Okay, 
I, I thought that his second tweet, which said, for what it's worth and in the interest of the Redskins side of this, on my previous tweet, I just talked to Redskins spokesman Tony Wiley. He says any person saying Dan Snyder has taken over the team's first-round decision-making uh, is categorically false. If you got a source and you tweet something out, let it stand on its own, okay? The Redskins can come out and deny sure. it on their own. He did, To me, I, I wouldn't have done that because I think it sounds a little bit defensive of your initial report, which by the way, I do feel is true. I've said this from day one when the season ended, that intuitively, and then based on conversations that I've had, that Dan Snyder was not going to put up with another offseason of Pernell McPhee, Orlando Skandrick, and Steven Paya that it just was not going to fly with the deterioration, the accelerated deterioration of this fan base, and that they ne- he needed some action. You know, it's, it's like a dice table. I need, I need the action every once in a while. He needed the off-season action. They got Landon Collins. They tried to get A.B. They tried to get Golden Tate. Um, they, they, the, the Rosen thing, I, I don't know enough about it. Perhaps you do, but I know there were inquiries made. He wants some action. Even if the long-term best interest of the team is to not reach for a quarterback, I believe that he wants a quarterback in this draft. What do you make of these reports? I think there's truth and fiction to all of the reports. Okay, tell me what's truthful, and then. Tell well, me I don't what's know fiction. entirely what's truthful, but I think it's, I think it's truthful that certain people are being told or hearing certain things. I just don't know if everything they're hearing is truthful. I think there's some fiction to all of these reports. Like, i.e., Diana Rossini says the Josh Rosen trade is dead. Now, all of a sudden, it's not dead. Where, it, where, where did you see it wasn't dead? It's back alive today is what I've heard, that the Rosen trade is still a possibility, which I think is the truth. I don't think it's true. Okay. that's but I, I'm very Here's why I think it's the truth. Okay. Because if they don't get a, I don't think they're going to trade up. By the way, I think that. Let me let me circle back here. I think Dan wants action, so I wouldn't have a problem creating some perception of action if I'm within the organization. Maybe we're going to trade up. We want to go ahead and get the best guy. We like this guy. Maybe we're going to try to trade back. Maybe we like to get a trade for. It's drumming up action. And I think that's what Dan wants. If you look back at all the previous moves made, the big moves, the Alex Smith move, the Keenum trade, Bruce's move is way under the radar type of move. Dan's move is not. So maybe it's appeasing Dan to some extent by creating some action. I don't think anybody – I think that it is a boardroom of whoever's running what, and I think Bruce is the end-all, be-all, but I think there's input from Kyle, and Kyle has – a. An idea, Kyle Smith, has an idea of what he would like to do. I think Jay has an idea of what he would like to do. And if they're off somewhere playing golf or talking to somebody, it's a world where all these things are getting back to people incredibly fast. So I don't know if any of these people are definitively right or wrong. I think Dan is involved. But I don't know if he's involved in terms of saying, I would like this or I would not like this. But he's going to sit there and listen to what everyone's saying. Is he? He's in the building at times, or he's going to say, X, Y, Z, you're going to be at my house and walk me through what we have going on at, at a certain time, which he has every right to do. Of, of course. That's different from 
you know, we are going to uh, trade for Donovan McNabb. We are going to draft, or we are going to go get Albert Hainsworth. You know, all of the, the old version of Dan. You're the one that made this comment to me in past years. And I don't, know, I don't remember exactly when you told me this. You said that Bruce Allen was Dan's attempt to become a better owner. And I, I think everybody understands when you said that, and I've repeated it many times over the years, that what you meant when you said it, which was, I'm getting out of me and Vinny going on air, you know, on Redskins one, I almost said Air Force one, on Redskins one to get Albert Hainsworth, you know, right after free agency opens. You know, I'm not going to be sitting down there at the combine with a stopwatch anymore or telling Gibbs, you know, and or Spurrier how much I like Patrick Ramsey or whatever it is. Bruce is a, is a league executive, a, an established league executive. He's my attempt to become a good owner. So over the years, recent years, we have heard Dan's had a big, you know, has had much less involvement in the day-to-day and even the big decisions that it's been Bruce leading those. What I'm asking you is, is this the year that Dan is back in, that he's inserted himself back in to the big decision-making as the biggest influential voice in these decisions? Do you think? No. No. You don't think that? Mm-mm. Okay. But I think that he's involved enough, and there are enough people that have had conversations with him that if I were to say to said reporter, yeah, we had a meeting at Dan's house, that said reporter would say, Dan's back in. I'm at the park every day. I haven't seen Dan at the park. And I'm not saying that to stick up for he is or isn't involved. I just – I think that he's – I think he's involved in every draft, at least in body. I don't know if in spirit or if in decision-making or any other thing that goes in. I know he's not watching film. I promise you he's not, unless someone's going to show him something or he's going to ask. He's not sitting on his iPad pulling up Exos to see if he likes Cleveland Farrell. I promise you that. Do you believe Grant's report that he has, quote, taken over the first round of the draft, close quote? If he's taken over the first round of the draft, it would be, in my opinion, saying, I want a quarterback. Well, then that's that's invol- that's true involvement, but I different don't, than what we've but seen. But when you say, do I believe that report fully? Do no, believe- I don't know. Well, you, you just, Why, I'm not going to – I can't answer the question that I don't know the answer to. Okay, but I asked you if you I'm think not, I'm not that he's inserted himself into this in a much bigger way than he has in recent years, and you said you don't think so. That therefore that you that you must think that that Grant's report is wrong, because taking over the first round of the draft is an implication that Dan is saying we're doing what I want to do. We're going to get Haskins, or we're going to get uh, Drew Locke, or whatever we're doing. We're getting a quarterback, even if we have to trade up for it. Do you think that's true or not? I don't know. Okay. I know you want me to say, yeah, I think well, it's you true. Just no, said, you just said before I think that you invo- don't think he's inserted himself what any I'm more saying this is, year than in recent years. Perception becomes reality to anybody, and if you're perceiving that Dan's involved because he's there, you can create a reality that he's he's calculating the draft. I don't think he is. I at least think he's taking input from everyone else. This is what I think. There's just no I'm way. A, here, I'm let, me put, it, let me just say this. I think I'm going to put no it in a way, way that, that you're going watched to agree with. Haskins... 
all year at Ohio State and said, I want that dude. I believe in he him. He did go to high school with his son at Bullis. His son was a freshman. I know, he knew nothing. Exactly. Actually, we, I don't even think he was a freshman at Bullis. I think he was an eighth grade. He was a freshman grade when... at Georgetown Prep. Um, or yeah, whatever. so he didn't go to high school with Let me, let me, let me put it in a way that I think maybe you will agree with, all right? and Because c- you have not been able to say Although he would be way. able to talk to all those teachers and see what kind of kid he was in high school. Sure. But they do that anyway. Yeah. Um, this is how I would put it. I would put it this way. When the season ended... And it ended in ugly fashion with his stadium being completely taken over by Philadelphia Eagle fans. And I don't know if this was like the moment. Um, And perhaps the moment happened in the opener against the Colts when the stadium was half filled. The home opener, that is. But at that moment, he said, we have to do something in this upcoming offseason to generate interest and to get fans back and get revenue back. We cannot have another offseason of Bruce, who I believe in, because I think Dan believes in Bruce, and there's this relationship there that is, for whatever reason, comforting to the owner. But I cannot have you hand me Paul Richardson and Jerron Johnson and Chris Culliver and Kendall Reyes and tell me we had a great offseason. We need more than that this year. Antonio Brown is available. Let's go try to get him. Golden Tate is available. Let's go try to get him. Landon Collins actually wants to play for us. Let's try to get him. Greg Williams is available as a defensive coordinator. Having Greg back here would generate some interest. Let's try to go to get get let's try to get Greg Williams. And oh by the way, we have a pick in this draft. And I don't want it to be an offensive lineman. I don't want it to be a player that nobody's heard of. We need a quarterback. Alex is done. Colt's not the answer. Your Case Keenum trade, fine. It was cheap. It's a no-brainer. But we don't have him under contract after next year. we got to go get ourselves a quarterback. Now go do it. Now, does that mean he's taken over the first round of the draft? It doesn't mean he's taken it over literally. But there's been this message since that Philadelphia game to finish up the season where we got to have an off season where it looks like we are, you know, we're, we're making a splash or two here. That's what I think. Dan is saying it's all about winning. I don't care about the rest. Well, if it's all about winning, I don't believe they should try to draft a quarterback at 15 or higher. That's what I believe he's doing. If he believes that drafting a quarterback is winning, then he's drafting a quarterback because he wants to win. He does not want to drum up interest. Okay. No one's going to believe that I say that. And maybe he, maybe he's going to say that to anyone around him and not truly believe it because it's – it's hard to not have your your stadium sell. It's hard to look at your television ratings. It's hard to look at a fan base that's diminishing. But you, and I think I believe the same thing, they don't quite, I don't know if they understand the levity of what's going on with the fan base. Okay, I think that they're, but do, that's what you believe, correct? I, that you believe that there's a, a group of Redskins fans that you look at letters, attendance to charity events, and say, there's nothing wrong with our fans. I, I, there, part of me... I think it's about winning, part and of, that's all he cares about. Part of me, I want to get back to that, you know, the, the just winning. Um, but I think part of it is what you said. Um, they are fooled by this same group that shows up at these events that they have and will never, ever be negative about the Redskins. 
Um, but, and, and I do believe that they feel like that the revenue hit um, and the ratings and the tickets are more about a fan base being disappointed than, you know, first of all, irate and now apathetic. Uh, I think it's more about them thinking that, you know, Bruce has essentially said it. Our fans, our fans were disappointed. We had injuries and they were disappointed, but we were six and three. I don't think that they understand the extent of the rage and how that rage is turned into apathy and how hard it will be to get those people back. So I would agree with that. But I also but think the, there's a, but I also know he knows how to read a PL and the, the revenues with this and the corporate sponsorships and the ticket sales, these are real tangible things that have to be an alarm bell going off in his head. Yeah, but you can read the P&L and you can also make excuses and say there's a lot going around the league that says the same type of thing. So maybe not it's a, a league-wide problem. It's, not at their level. They think I think they think there's a lot going on but you're right. outside of just what they've done that's affecting some of these things. And... I understand why you would do that because you don't want to place blame on yourself. Well, they'll they'll blame Brian LaFamina for, you know, the transparent. You can can find anything you want to find, Kevin. So so you can say and and spin it any way you want to spin it. But ultimately, you can find excuses for anything that that you have shortcomings in and Maybe that's a big part of it. But you're, I think they're just going to say it's about winning. Back to your Dan. Um, just wants to win. So no matter who they take, if it's the best player on the board and it's going to contribute to winning, it's fine. What if they take Jawan Taylor, there's the no, offensive lineman There's no chance Florida. of taking Jawan Taylor. Well, okay. I'm trying to give you a player that, you know, very few people, unless you're really following the draft. I'll give you a Chris pl- Lindstrom. I'll give you, Chris I'll Lindstrom I'll give you... at 15, the guard from Boston College. What if they take him? You think Dan's going to be happy with that? Let's just say Haskins Haskins is on the board. So is Locke at 15. And they take Chris Lindstrom. Think he's going to be happy with that? Oh, boy. No one's going to be happy about well, that. So that's like, – okay, The like, football okay, people let me give say you, let me give this you, is the best I'll give you a better. I'll give you a better example. What if they take know. Devin Bush, the inside linebacker out of Michigan? Well, supposed to be a sure thing. You're going to say you're going to spin that we're going to continue to build this front seven. We got a playmaker on defense. I don't believe he's a playmaker. Haskins and Locke were both on the board. So is Daniel Jones. Devin Bush is taken. Is he going to be happy? Devin Bush is a bigger name. I gave you Chris Lindstrom, who most people, unless you're really following the draft, don't know, but could be a mid first round pick. By the way, could fill an an immediate need too. The the interesting thing is. Any of the players you named or the player I named, I'm not going to be happy if those two quarterbacks are on the board. But the, for me, if they t- if Marquise Brown was sitting there and you got yourself a real playmaker, I don't know how much I believe in any of these quarterbacks. So I would be fine with that. I know you would be. I'm not asking about so you. My answer is, my answer, so my answer yeah. is, yeah, if it were Marquise Brown, I think he'll be happy about it. I, I didn't ask you about Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown is a different you field. You about a schmo a versus a, a, a quarterback. Chris Lindstrom c- could be a top 14 through 23 pick. Let me, let me if just, he's let the highest-rated okay. player on the board and Haskins and Locke are sitting there and the Redskins take Chris Lindstrom at 15, a guard from B.C., Simple question. Do you think Dan would be happy with that? I know you No, Kevin. Okay. He, he's going to be he's going to be right, This is how many times I've talked to Dan in the last 4 months. Zero. So I don't know what he's thinking. 
Um, have you, just out of curiosity, have you been in their draft war room? Like, have you seen the big board? I'm not asking you to reveal any of it if you did, but have you ever seen any of that stuff? I didn't walk in the draft war room this year. I could. Right. I was, why don't you have a desire to do that, an interest to do that? I'm curious. I think it would be really cool. Don't I they do, have a, I do have a desire to do it. I don't belong there. Okay. That's a good answer. I, I didn't know if that was something. I don't. So here's my one of my biggest things, and you know this. I don't like having information because I'm not. Right. You want to you want I, to be I your own. I want to my own information, yep. and when I say it, I want to know that I'm not protecting anything or hiding anything or trying to promote anyone's agenda. Right. I, I don't belong there. I believe that I'm just as competent in evaluating most of these guys and where these guys will fall. I'm I'm somewhat interested in in how much they love the quarterbacks. Other than that, I because you don't love the quarterbacks, and if they love the quarterbacks, you would be at odds with that. And we're going to find out tonight. I love Murray. By yeah. the way, that you yeah. asked me if there was truth to trading up to three for Murray. Different. If that's con- the only thing you're trading up to three for. You're not trading up to three to take Haskins or Locke. I agree with you. And so trading up to three essentially was saying the Jets are trying to shop their pick like crazy right now, and everybody knows that. The the Cardinals are going to go ahead and stay with Rosen, draft Bosa, which means Allen will go to San Francisco, and now you got a guy at three, which is what, seven hundred and fifty points on the draft chart down from one. It's that's a big jump to get to three to one. Yeah. So there was truth in that. If someone said to me, if I was in the room, would you be interested in trading up to three to get the best player, or the best quarterback? You eat? Certainly, yes. I, I I had that on my list of things to talk about when we got to the quarterbacks in more in 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 more specifics. But um, I mentioned this yesterday. I don't think that any fan you could disagree with it, but I don't think you could disagree with it on the. You know whether or not this was a risk that you could justify taking. You may not like the player. You may think at five foot, you know, eight or whatever he might really be that you shouldn't have a five foot eight, hundred and ninety five pound quarterback in the NFL. What did he weigh in at two hundred five, whatever it was? But if they traded from fifteen to three because the Cardinals went Bosa and you had to get ahead of the Raiders because Kyler Murray was there. That if, if that's what happened tonight, I think tomorrow morning I would come in and I would say, I understand what they did. I have no idea if it's going to work out or not, but I understand what they did. Just in the same way I felt that way about Griffin. When they traded what they traded for Griffin, which is a lot in hindsight given some of the other comp packages in recent years to trade up more distance, but whatever it was, it was 2012. In the moment, I said, if you really believe he's a franchise-changing quarterback, absolutely. So, and, and so that's the thing about but all. I would feel really badly, and I I would criticize heavily if they did that for Haskins or Jones or Locke or any other quarterback. I think it would be stupidity. You can't do it for any other quarterback because that. It's not like I'm fully buying every mock draft, but every quarterback could be taken after fifteen. After Kyler Murray. Potentially. Potentially, any one of those quarterbacks could fall. Right. It's the only position you trade up to in the first round because it is the only position that truly changes a franchise over 10 years. 
you can say outside linebacker, and Von Miller had one year where he carried him. One year, but that still an, that was an elite defense with Von Miller right. around him. Malik Jackson, the whole and group. Yep. Denver's not winning Super Bowls without a quarterback with Von Miller on that team. He is. He and Khalil Mack are arguably the only two defensive players that are really franchise game changers, game in and game out. But they're not the quarterback. But J.J. Watt and Von Miller can get you can be the difference between an average team and a playoff team easily, and, and a playoff team that even wins a game. Well, Denver hasn't been a playoff team in the last couple of years. I, I understand that. J.J. And, Watt carried a team with very little, and this is before pre pre Deshaun Watson. And all they were was a playoff team, and they won a game or two in the playoffs. They won a game and had a chance to beat New England one of those years. But but anyway, I I, I get but your point. Of course, of course, it's the quarterback. So that's and and it can change it in a bad way as well. Yeah, it can hurt you. You trade up; it's a risky trade. The, the Robert Griffin trade hurt the Redskins. It was a great move for the year, but it essentially hurt the Redskins losing all of their assets for that. Well, and you also can divide a fan base if you don't get the right guy. Look, on the Griffin thing, not going to spend a lot of time with this. Clearly, it was too much to spend for him with all of the flaws, um, football-wise and off-the-field-wise. But it wasn't but if he what, had two what, more of those years. But what eliminated it from having any chance of succeeding was the owner and the owner's relationship with that quarterback. Period. End of discussion. If they had, If the owner had supported the coach... And Kyle and Mike had had that quarterback. You would have had a much better chance of that thing succeeding. So let's but anyway. let's spin this in a way that I don't necessarily love spinning it, but it's a hypothetical. And since I'm bluntly honest, I'll I'll pose the hypothetical. Maybe the owner wants a, a, a franchise change, not this year, or maybe he wasn't ready this year, but next year in terms of GM coach. I don't believe that's true, especially on the GM front. I think Bruce will stay. Jesus, God. but. You really maybe do. right now, but if, if you... there's that if there's that hypothetical of look, I like you guys as evaluators. There's a lot I like you, but it hasn't worked out, and I will be moving in a different direction. Shh, don't not tell anybody. He could take over if he wanted to. He could. Do you think there's a? I don't think that's. I don't think that's the case. But that is. There's something to that. If if, if they you, lose if ten or more, it. if they lose ten or more games in 2019, you still think Bruce will be back? Yeah. Okay. I know you feel that way. I just wanted you to say it to everybody listening to the podcast. I I, I don't know that I, di- I... I'm not disagreeing with you. I think there's something going on there and there's a comfort level. But I also believe that you believe, which I believe, that that 10 or more losses is definitely in play for 2019. And we could be sitting here this time next year and it's very possible we could have the same group. Do you think Jay Gruden would survive a double-digit loss season? I don't think it's likely. Okay. Um, do you think Jay Gruden has any influence tonight? We know that he's he's had an influence over guys like Matt Ioannidis, over what, what, the receiver from last year that he really really liked in the third round, and Doug finally got at the end of the draft, Trey Quinn, right? We we know that Paul Richardson was a guy that he really liked in free. He's had a voice at times. Do you think he's got a voice on the quarterbacks tonight if they're going to try to draft a quarterback or anybody else? What kind of voice does Jay Gruden have tonight? I'm wondering if he has a louder voice than Doug. And I'm going to, I answer the question by saying I don't know whose voice is, is heard more. 
Do you think it should that be room? louder than Doug's? I think Jay, the one thing, and everybody says this about Jay, and I, I believe it, I think he evaluates very well. So, yes, I think he should have a say in what quarterback is drafted here. Um, all right. Uh, let's get to a couple of things more draft specific. Uh, By the way, here's where it's really interesting. This is draft specific. What if Will Greer's his favorite guy and he's just begging not to take anybody else because he knows he can get Will Greer in the second? He might not be able to get Will Greer in the second. And I mean, what if he, they have to, what if Will, these Will quarter- Greer might go before Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones right now, based on all of the later late information, is the guy that it would not shock me at all if he gets picked second behind Murray. It's not going to shock me tonight if that happens. You're going you're gonna to give us your thoughts on all these quarterbacks, but not only is he a guy that comes out of a system with a coach who has him, for the lack of a better description, pro-ready, but he's got a lot of that playmaking and mobility as well. Let, let's start with that. There's a lot I want to get to here. Let's start with the quarterbacks because I think a lot of us believe that the quarterback is in play for the Redskins. I know you love Murray and you've talked about Murray on the podcast, your podcast and my podcast about how much, how intriguing he is, even though, you know, the baseball thing and some of the other things you would have to know a lot more about after Murray, give me your order of people that you like. I like Locke. I still am not sure on Haskins, but it's a one-year system at Ohio State. He made Haskins made so many easy throws, and with so much talent around him. I like. There's just such a drop off. In Why my do opinion. you like Locke? Because he's got guts and he can throw a accurate ball, and there's something to him. As a as a read the field, smart, everything kind of quarterback man. Like thing about thing that everyone has a problem with with Locke is he throws off his back foot a ton, and he had a big time incompletion rate, and he had some bad games in terms of total yards. You watch him throw balls into tight windows and contested man to man coverage that get batted, get knocked down. Receivers don't make plays on. I think he threw more accurate passes that were incomplete than a lot of guys. Daniel Jones had a ton of drops, but I think Locke had a ton of not catch balls that you wouldn't call drops because he didn't have a bunch of baller receivers. Oh, he didn't play great against Alabama and he threw a stupid pick. Sure. (laughs) Right. But his guys didn't separate and win against Alabama. He came back on the next drive and threw a touchdown. I, I mean, he had some stuff. He's got something to him where he's a playmaker. You get him a little bit more comfortable in the pocket, and he's going to make the throws you want him to make. I think Locke's got something special about him. And if there's a dude among the quarterbacks, Greer too, but he's a dude. He's a guy that you respond to. And when you're looking at quarterback, you cannot forget that you're drafting the next leader of your football team. He's freaking Simba of the Lion King. Like you draft a quarterback, and you got to hold him over the rock, and the music's got. That's he's got to be the guy. You can't have a guy that people don't believe in. So there's just a lot to him that I love. The rest of the guys, you see a drop off. I see a big drop off with Will Greer. Will Greer looks like he's throwing a shot put when he throws a football, and he doesn't drive off his back leg. 
had a big time completion percentage, but he's playing Big Ten defenses with a couple Big, re- Big, 12, Big, 12, yeah. Big yep. Twelve defenses with a couple receivers he trusts and loves. And what Greer looked like garbage in the Senior Bowl. I went watch the Senior Bowl practice. He didn't have good practices at the Senior Bowl. He struggles to throw the ball. What Greer's Rex Grossman, by the way, and that's not a bad thing. Rex was a good quarterback. He was short. Short hurt Rex. Well, what you said he's what, more what, athletic, but Rex oh, was oh, Rex I, was an athlete in high school. I think Greer's much more of a Rex played in a Super Bowl. By the ex, way. I know he did, um, but I think Greer's much more of a of an extend the play outside the pocket guy than Rex. Much well, Rex more. could do that. At I, I think the balls they ha- both have of just throwing it and and letting it go and and being fearless in terms of throwing picks is a similar. You know, attribute, but uh, th- there's there's stuff about Greer that I like. W- what is Greer? I thought Greer is like six two, six two and a half. What is Greer? Uh, He's six one, I think. Okay. I mean, I know- I've seen Will Greer in person and watched him throw in person. Right, you if, in Northern Virginia, right? I heard this today. Six two. He's six he measured f- in it. He's six foot two. Yeah. He's fine height wise. I heard this today. He doesn't look like he's six two in the pocket. I agree. Will Greer, I agree with will, that. Is is leaps it? He looks no. small. He looks smaller. I heard this was Brad Paisley, the country singer. <laughs> they had him on his fan. He's Will Greer's ahead of understanding NFL offenses more than anybody else. And he said, you know, a lot of the problems Will Greer had was just that he was in college offense. I was. This was one year ago, and this isn't to say anything bad. I like Greer. Watching him work with. One of the quarterback guys, Paul Troth here, and McSorley on from Penn State three five seven step drop and a lot of NFL concepts, and truly teaching him how to read out on an NFL style four verticals, which is one of the most common concepts. He wasn't reading out four verts a year ago like an NFL quarterback. Okay, so you can't promise me that he's that far ahead of NFL court. He's still got to go through that learning progression that he hasn't gone through. So like none of these guys. Ba- back to your order after Murray, you've got Locke next. And then you have Jones after Locke? See, the thing with Jones is I think Jones could have a very good year for a rookie quarterback. I think he'll play at a consistent – he's Joe Flacco. Like he'll play consistently. Oh, he's much more mobile than Joe Flacco. That, but that's the kind of success I <laughs> oh, think he'll okay. have. Like He'll I, be the 20th best quarterback in the – I don't think he's – I think Jones is getting all of this Cutcliffe and Manning hype – and he, he's the next Peyton because he's with Cutcliffe. I mean, what has Peyton said about Daniel Jones? Nothing. If he's the next Peyton, Peyton's going to be hyping the dude. <laughs> like he works with Yeah, I, I haven't followed it. So Peyton you know what I mean? hasn't like, maybe said, he said a guy. I, don't, I haven't seen much coming yeah. from Peyton. If Peyton said Daniel Jones is the guy, then your comment that he would be the next quarterback after Murray, you're done. Peyton likes him. We like him. Peyton hasn't said he's the guy. Yeah, but he's that close to the Mannings. Right. So I think... I think Jones is over. The problem I have with Jones is he didn't take over at Duke. There were a couple games that he had big games, and he had a ton of drops, but he didn't take over like a Manning at Duke. Right. Well, I mean. These other guys did. The rest of them, even Haskins, to some extent, made enough big throws and plays where you go, wow. I mean, Jones did have that one game where he had like two, a 60-yard carry and a 70-yard carry and threw for 300-some. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, he can run. And, and he's a big dude that can run. Like he, he, I don't like Jones or Haskins with pressure I can't, and stuff around him. I can't stand Haskins with pressure, period. 
you know, I, th- this is what would scare me the most is the the pressure, the immobility, the not great feel in the pocket. I don't think he has any touch. And then, Watch him incomplete, and then here, swing after swing. Here comes the pressure in the first three quarters of that Penn State game, and here goes a ball 10 feet over somebody's head. But in the fourth quarter, when they started throwing sideways to guys like Paris Campbell, those guys were just zipping around and running into the end zone, and it was so, fine. Someone said to me, you don't like Haskins. Watch the Michigan game. And I had watched Watch it. the Michigan State game. Well, th- if you don't like Haskins, watch the Mis- Michigan State yeah. game. You'll go, he's not a He's not, he's not a an sec- NFL quarterback in that game. No, he's he's far from it. And that, that, was a, that's a, that was one of the better defenses he faced, that and the Michigan game. Two, two, so here's the thing. First thing on Haskins. Right now, lacks anticipation. He just does. But I don't know how much he lacks anticipation because of lack of uh, lack of continuity and scheme. You know, Ohio State's come out and Urban Meyer, they're saying, well, we changed so much because of what he can do and we ran NFL concepts. What the hell you did? Like that Michigan game, they ran what is in West Coast terminology called shallow cross. You have a 10-yard hook over the ball and you have a crossing route underneath that high lows and then running backs running a rail with the post over the top. You could throw another shallow cross in the mix from the other side and empty. 11 times out of 13 they had the success on that play eight of them he threw the shallow cross one he threw the hook one he threw the rail one he missed the rail the, the running back down the sideline and missed him badly it was over 240 yards well how many points he did threw they for, he threw for four like the, four they seven they, they scored a boatload yeah but hey great play you hit paris campbell on a four yard shallow and cross he and he took it 45 i actually like paris campbell a lot i love paris campbell. i think paris campbell is a dude man yeah but that's the thing like you have two receivers that paris campbell's a potential first you have the other kid who wore 83 who's probably a second or third and you have two other receivers on that roster that will end up being nfl receivers and you're playing some not teams to mention in- two nfl backs certainly one in weber right and you're playing some teams in the big 10 where you d- Michigan State's a good defense. They you were get, very you good. Get good talent on a couple of these teams, but you don't. It's not SEC talent. That Michigan State game and the Penn State comeback was all playmakers making plays. That that game I was at. The Michigan State game was ugly. The, the Ohio State's punter won that game against Michigan State by knocking Michigan State inside their five-yard line like five times in the second half after Haskins and, and the offense went three and out time after time after time. I you know I don't know how many picks he threw in that game. I just remember a bunch of near picks in that game, in that game against Michigan State. All right, so you're still not on Haskins. I would be disappointed if they took Haskins at any point. 15 traded up traded back you know I'm not if they took him in the third round that's different but it's in, different if they take him in the <clears> second <throat> I just don't want Haskins I, I I've never I haven't been a Haskins guy I want you to tell everybody the two guys you really do like down the board second third fourth maybe even later that you mentioned to me two guys you mentioned to me. I like Clayton Thorson the quarterback at of Northwestern North He's played for four <clears throat> years. The thing that's hard with Thorson is they're such an up-tempo all the time, all gun. But I think Thorson can thread the needle. I think he can make some big-time throws. And he had to a lot because he doesn't have Isn't he, he doesn't have big-time talent. And he, like the I, whole I, I literally noted this down. Looks slow, but is a little bit sneaky when it comes to scrambling and moving. He's, not, but he struggled with pressure in his face. He yeah. didn't always have answers with pressure in his face. 
By the way, this is another thing that I love with all of these quarterbacks. Uh, I'll just use Haskins for an example, but all of them do it. Man, they are field generals. Tremendous at the line of scrimmage. They get up to the line of scrimmage. Black 80, black 80. Hut, hut, hut. Then six guys turn and look to the sideline. Then Haskins comes back up and starts pointing things out. Now, if I cut it on film, right, where he's pointing. Look, see, he's pointing here because he sees this. He wants to. They're telling them what to do from the sideline. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all of these guys. Yeah. Right. So this field general crap, it's not that hard. It's like a smart quarterback has this simple math. You like Ryan Finley, too. I do. I just don't know if I like. I've heard Finley didn't fit in at all at NC State. Finley got beat out by Rippon at Boise State, went to NC State, was essentially given a job, and never fit himself in as the guy as the leader. I, I do know that he is cerebral. I think he's got a big arm. I think he trusts his arm a little bit too much, but I think he's an accurate passer who could make some big-time throws. I think Finley's, like to me, Finley's a little bit more like Kirk. I think Finley's Kirk. Is a good comp. So he's, but you think he can start in the NFL then? I don't think he's a perennial backup. No, I think he, he can be a starter in the league. By the way, all of these guys, they need a good scheme fit and they need a good coach that, that and it's not just, every everyone has a scheme. It's a coach that understands how to work with them and, and get them comfortable in their scheme. Um, lastly, on the quarterbacks, Jared Stidham, you're still not impressed with, right? The thing that's so hard with Stidham is you see so many negative plays. I see so many negative plays, and Auburn Against essentially great runs great defenses Auburn, in, the, uh, in the SEC. Great defenses. He can throw the ball. He probably you might have the strongest arm instead. Of. <clears throat> I also think he's great as a bootleg quarterback didn't, outside. But the I pocket. didn't think he threw the ball well on the move. A- the accuracy, you're right. I, I think he yep. he, lo- he lacked a ton of accuracy on the move, and so I think that was a problem for Stidham. But St- Stidham is a He's another guy that lost a job, transferred. Tra- I mean, I don't know. I'm not a big Stidham guy, but Stidham is one of those guys that could come in and and develop over two or three years, and, and we'll see. But he's not a first-rounder. A first-rounder is not a developmental guy. All right. So the quarterback, your quarterback board, uh, actually – my board right now, you, you, I have you, Murray, I have Murray and Locke in the first round, and I don't really want to take anybody else in the first okay. round. Okay, do you think Locke at fifteen is too too high? I would take him. Okay, you would take Locke at fifteen. You would not take Haskins at fifteen. You wouldn't take anybody else other than Murray or Locke in the first round. Not at period. Fifth, especially so they, not at fifteen. It, it changes at twenty four, twenty five, twenty six because that you're. It does change a little bit. So if they were able to trade back, and by the way, everybody, oh, I, I love the conversation about. I just want them to trade back and take up the number one thing Pitt fans want at fifteen. Yeah, yeah it's a, but but understand this: you need someone that's willing to trade up, and the trading back doesn't always work out. And I pointed this out: the Ryan Kerrigan year, they traded back, they picked up all these picks, and they got Ryan Kerrigan, and they didn't draft JJ Watt, who went a pick after where they were before they traded back. With Jacksonville, I want major impact players. I don't care where that comes from. They need stars. They need what do they need? What kind of chippers do they need? How many more ch- b- blue chippers do they need? They need you, you more. Need, you need six blue chip players on your team at any given time. And how many do they have right now? We'll see. With John, John's getting close to being a blue chip. You can say Kerrigan because of his no, because can't. of his numbers, but here's why he's not. You don't game plan for him, right? I don't think I. 
to be honest with you, I love Landon Collins as a box safety player, but he's not a playmaker. As a box safety player, you meant to say. Yeah, and it's not like he can't play over the top, but he's a read and react player more so than he is an, an attack the ball type of player. So I think he's still on that cusp of blue chip. I don't think he's – I love him. Trent Williams would Trent be Williams a, blue a blue chip, chip player. Trent Williams is a blue chip player. Brandon yeah. Sheriff's a blue chip player. But Brandon Sheriff's been battling with the injuries, man. Why do you think they haven't gotten the extension done? I don't know. That's another podcast. I just wonder whether or not he wants an extension. I would have done that extension the second he hurt his leg. I know you did. Oh, you you mentioned it then. I just... I don't have a problem doing an extension. Okay. So you draft all these guys, <clears throat> or you draft guys, and you get these phenomenal deals for five years. But weigh it out over ten. You know, if you could have extended Brandon Sheriff after three and done it for forty-five instead of sixty-six, it's going to end up saving you money. I, I just wonder whether or not he wants to sign an extension. Yes. Here. You think he does? I think he does. Well, then why hasn't it been done? Jay Gruden said at the Combine or Arizona or wherever, this is something that we want to get done sooner rather than later. I here's here's I don't want to spend here's a lot of time why on this. it doesn't get done. Okay. Because players don't necessarily want to take the initiative to get it done and they're going to trust their agent and his agent's going to say, "Well, look at the last three guard contracts, they're $66 million contracts." And the agent doesn't want to factor into well, Zach the, Martin's was an $84 million yeah, contract. Zach Martin was insane. Yeah. The agents don't want to factor into the equation that you're not getting a open market free agent deal, you're getting an extension. And so an extension is essentially 20% less. Just is, and it's twenty percent to thirty percent less because of security. Let's just we, we we've learned something, and that is if you don't get something done, and you allow that player to inch towards unrestricted free agency, then the player wants to get to unre- unrestricted free agency. Now they can use the franchise. And now, tag. if I'm Brandon Sheriff, I'm saying, good. Look at Zach Martin's deal. Yeah. Look at the look at the top four deals. And you're going to pay me. You're going to pay me that in a fifteen franchise. million dollars a year. So yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. On this draft, players that are projected to be in that number 15 area, and you've read some mock drafts, so we're not talking about Nick Bosa or Quinnen Williams or, or Kyler Murray, but guys that would be in that 15 area that you like, that you'd be happy with tonight, and a couple of players that if they drafted 15, you would be, you'd be disappointed with. So I'm not in the mindset of trading down. Because I think you're going to get a player that you really like at 15. I think there are going to be enough of them there. I really like the potential of getting the kid out of Florida Florida State, Burns. Burns. I think he's awesome. He is explosive. He He is not a project as a pass rusher. He has multiple moves. He spins well. He plants well. His lateral quickness is insane. I think he ran a seven oh one three cone at the combine, ran a four five four. He put he was up to two forty nine. He played, I heard, at two twenty seven at Florida State last year. But he this whole he can't play the run. A three four outside backer at two fifty will have zero problem playing the run. You're taking on tight ends a bunch. You're rarely taking on double teams. It's not as hard to hold the point as people make it out to be. I actually learned that when I was playing tight end, practicing on the other side as a as a three four linebacker, going, "Oh, I can hold you right here, no problem." That's not as hard as people make it out to be. So I don't. I'm not worried about the run, and I'm not worried about him being as situational as everybody makes it. I think he can be 
An every down player? Well, he played 85 plays a game at Florida State. He never came out. So I really like Burns. I like Cleveland Farrell a ton out of Clemson. He's a big dude, though. Is he a 3-4 outside linebacker? He's not a speed rusher. He's fast. He looks more like a D. I, I you said want yesterday to know, here's he's why a D-end and a 4-3. Yes, he is. But here's why he's not a speed rusher. It's not his speed. It's because when he punches, he separates his feet and opens up his base too much instead of use, utilizing his hips through his punch. If that makes sense at all. Like he punches and then widens his feet a little bit. If he could translate his hands to his feet, he is he is a fast player. He's off the ball quick. He's got a big time up and under move. He makes tackles move. One of my favorite clips, I was watching the Alabama game, which, by the way, is amazing because you watch Alabama Clemson, you're like, this is cool. I can I can scout of nine N- players at the, players, in the first yeah. round at the same time. Right. Like, he trips a little bit off the ball, so his hands fall into as he's falling forward into Jonah Williams, the first-round tackle, takes another step, recovers himself, and then takes his right arm and clubs Jonah Williams onto his back. <laughs> I mean, he is incredibly... He's like Dexter Manley strong. Like you see this, I promise you, when you watch him, you see this unbelievable strength. And I just relate that to playing against like Julius Peppers. Like you put a tight end on him and he is walking tight ends back into the backfield. Like it's a joke. He is taking O tackles and displacing them. He is moving the line of scrimmage. He is a pain in the ass. He is the guy... That I had to play, that I would have had to play against. That I walked into the game going, "This is going to be a mother." <laughs> He's a pain in the ass, and, and so I like him a lot. All right, so you like Farrell, you like Burns. Back to Burns for one second before we get to other players that you like at at fifteen that you would would not have a problem with. So th- Burns to me was in watching you know the the tape of him, um, and I remembered him from the few Florida State games, but you know Florida State wasn't that good, so. He flashes like, and he flashes though in a, in a weird way. In that, when I watched him, and maybe it's the weight. Maybe he played at two twenty five at Florida State. Maybe he's two fifty now. Whatever. But he looked so rail thin and so tall and lanky and upright. And I I don't know the answer to this, but I just wondered. And by the way, in the ACC, you played some. Offensive teams who had not 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 when you played Clemson or when you played Louisville, but you played some teams with some in the pocket immobile quarterbacks, and I, I just I was one. I know everybody's enamored with Burns, and if they end up taking him, you know I, I'm not going to have a major problem with it. But he just looked totally different than Sweat, than the guy from Florida, polite, who's not going to go in the first round because of character issues. But he didn't look like that quick twitch edge guy. He looked like the tall, lanky, Ooh, I would, I would guy. totally disagree with that. Okay. I think he looked way quick twitch. He's playing Virginia Tech, and they stunt him from that end down over the center like a three-man stunt. The quarterback scrambles out to the right away from where he came from, and he hawks that dude down two yards outside the opposite hash. Do you think he like looks change, more explosive his, than Sweat? His change – yes. His, really? Uh, Sweat's more powerful – Sweat's also quick. Sweat's got great quicks. Did you look at polite like I, I asked you to do? I watched Sweat get dominated by Dalton Did you watch Reisner. polite like I asked you to do? Another I I, another I, number 99 because like, all these guys I like, are not... I like polite. By the way, when I did Burns, I have my whole notebook. It was 
just random by chance on page 99. How about that? <laughs> but, he, I mean, so just to Burns for a second. Farrell's 99, too, right? I know. Farrell's yeah. 99, too. But Sweat Burn, wasn't. Burns, no, Sweat was four. Nine. Nine, right? Yeah. Nine. I think he was nine. Four or nine. I think, I think Sweat was number nine. I think he, I think Sweat was nine. Go um, ahead. Nobody cares. But his lateral quicks. Yeah. Burns, awesome. His, his, like stop to reburst, awesome. The thing with sweat or the thing with Burns is he's getting those left tackles to overset and create an inside edge. What was really interesting with him that I that I thought was all of his real speed moves, his spin, his hard up and under came off his right side against the left tackle. All of his power came off the left side against the right tackle. His power move was was a hard one-arm stab. Right. But he scares tackles and he's able to get inside. I I just I think he's he's a pretty special pass rusher. Okay. I think he's I think he's the the quickest up the field pass rusher in this draft. All right, who else at 15 would you be excited about? I like Marquise Brown. I mean, everyone's going to say, first of all, everyone's going to say Hawkinson. He's just not going to be there. Right. We can go through all of that. He's not the 15th best player in this draft, but that position in what he does is so valuable that it makes him that. Really? I like, because you I, don't I, find mo- he, most big boards have him as a top 10 kind of player, regardless of where he would get picked. You don't think he. I think that. The well, first of all, the first thing you hear everyone say is because he can block and he can get down the field, he he's special. The other thing that I've heard a ton on Hawkinson is, man, he can beat the press. No, he can't. He's a freaking magnet. <laughs> he's getting pressed to death. He is down the field five yards and he can't get off of safeties running into him. Now he's a good route runner in open space, but he isn't that sexy separator, man to man. He's not, were, but not a lot of tight ends. Were are. you easy to press? Yeah, I don't think I was. I don't think I was as good off the press. But at the same time, I didn't split out very much in college, right. and I didn't split out very much in my first couple years in the league. So my press was: can I slip a three-four back or, or make sure a DN sure. doesn't jam me up? Yeah, I was also good enough at creating leverage on a safety coming down where I could move him to not be pressed. Hawkinson hasn't done that as much as I'd like to see him do that. That said, he can still stretch the field as a Y. He can still – he's got great hands. He is a good route runner when untouched. And keep in mind, who else were you going to jam and press at Iowa? And by the way, it wasn't Noah Fant. I don't like Noah Fant. Okay, and a lot of so, people have him as a first round. He, he is got not it. a first rounder, in my opinion, but he is an H. Is Irv Smith better? No. Irv, well, Irv Smith is more Jordan Reed-like. Okay. Or, yes, yes. To answer your question, Irv Smith is better than Noah Fant. I would take Irv Smith if I needed Jordan Reed on my team or Evan Ingram before I would take Fant, no question asked. There's a big drop-off after after Hawkinson. The kid out of Stanford, Caden Smith, I think, spent yep. some time watching. There's He's a tight end. Like he's not a great he, – he's high. He's, he's not a dynamic blocker. He comes out when they go into their heavy personnel group, probably because he's not – What a, about the guy from San Diego State? He's the crazy – like all of the sudden rise. Yeah. I saw him in person. He is, he looks like Gronkowski to me. He's ginormous. He would be the one intriguing one. I just. What about the guy from UCLA? I've talked to you about I him don't again. like the guy from UCLA. That Rosen threw 100 passes to, it seemed like, the, when he was there. Yeah, and all deep balls because that's all Rosen throws. <laughs> Cannot block anybody. Okay. But he can get down the field. He's an H. But the tight end position now is essentially divided into Ys and Hs, and that's why Hawkinson is so 
That's why we're so enamored with Hawkinson because he is Jason Witten. He is what I played. He, I mean, he can do. He's Tony. Right. He's he's that guy that lines up on the ball, but in, uh, you can widen him out three or four steps. I don't think that you can widen him out as a, as a receiver by himself right now, and, and he'll win against corners. He'll and, drag people too. Won't oh, he? he's his run after, <laughs> and he'll jump people. Yeah, his run after the catches. He's athletic. Right. No, trust me, I like him. He's a top ten pick. But this rumor that he's going to beat the press like crazy is is fiction. All right, anybody else? Uh, you, you mentioned Mark. You mentioned so Marquise like- Brown, and I mean, to me, I, I love Paris Campbell too. And you could potentially get Paris Campbell. Maybe you could get him uh, in the second round. Although I think that's becoming less likely as well. Um, I said yesterday that I would not have a problem at fifteen if the Redskins took Marquise Brown. Sounds like no, you don't either. No, no problem whatsoever. He is crazy explosive. He is impossible to cover. He is as quick out of the top of his breaks as anybody in this draft. He is Deshaun Jackson in terms of double moves down the field, and he's patient, and he sells the stuff. He's, he's going to be a special player. There's no doubt about it. And also, he is a guy that they line up everywhere, so I, I know that he can understand it and get it. He's good. He's he's legit good. He uh, these receive this receiver group's really interesting because everybody says right now, hey, look, there are six second rounders. Like you look at Paris Campbell, you look at Nikhil Harry, the DK Metcalf. I don't like DK Metcalf at all. I, I like Paris Campbell. You mentioned and- that the first time you saw him. Uh, yeah, to me, he looks like a workout warrior, which he was, and all the measurables, but not a football player. I think DK Metcalf at fifteen would be my number one least favorite pick. I know what your other one would be, Devin Bush. Yeah, but we'll get but to we'll, the, we'll get, get to that, that in a second. But yeah, like Paris Campbell, I love. Do you like? Um, Nik- I like. Do you like Nikhil Harry or not? I don't like him with number one. I do like him a lot with your second. He's not a true scare you with speed guy, and he's not a true separator guy. He's more of a Des Bryant kind of guy, and he's phenomenal after the catch. You see some big time plays after the catch. I think he's got good hands. I think he's got something to him. Uh, the interesting thing with Nikhil Harry is for not as fast as he is, you see a lot of like six, seven stutters at the line of scrimmage before he gets off the ball, and you're like, dude, just shoulder down, and you're, you're a big dude and run through he's this got stuff. good hands. Like he's trying to be a little bit too nifty. But then you do see routes where he has just a one stick at the top that he's coming out of things w- with some really good separation. He's a better separator than people are giving him credit for, but he's not a first-round separator, and he doesn't have quite that speed that, that in and out speed that I like, like so I do like him as a second round kind of guy. You liked AJ Brown. As I a love AJ Brown. I think AJ Brown is the toughest receiver in this group. It's funny because you watch Ole Miss play, and you watch AJ Brown and you watch DK Metcalf, and DK Metcalf is this big beast, and he doesn't want to touch anybody. It's not like he he won't put his shoulder down every once in a while, but he'll also run out of bounds. But as far as blocking, does not want to touch anybody. Right. I also think DK is going to get injured a bunch of times. I just think his body type and the way he runs and moves, he's an injury kind of guy. But A.J. Brown, he's showing up. Cross, he's blocking like Clinton Portis used to block down the field. He's getting after But he's also a very good route runner, and he's got a knack for a lot of things. And by the way, if they had not the worst quarterback in college football, which, yeah, I mean, that's debatable. I don't even, I don't even know his name, yeah, but he was, uh, he, was, yeah, Ole Miss. he was horrendous. Number, number 10, yeah. Um, how, do you have the two, how do you have two potential first-round receivers? And I know. I know. But I like AJ. AJ Brown would if AJ Brown played at, at Ole Miss, or excuse me, at Miss at Missouri with Locke, or at another one of these schools with a decent quarterback. 
He's he's a top twenty pick. What and about he, he? He might sneak into the first round. What about the offensive lineman? You know, if if the Redskins end up, if this isn't a Dan Snyder draft, and they're not going to take the quarterback, and they're going to take the best player available, and they're trying to build a roster the way you build a roster, thinking about you know not just short term but long term, um, there are a few offensive linemen in this draft that can play guard and that could eventually play tackle. Lindstrom's a guard. And and he did you look at him or not? I asked you to look at him last night. No, dude. I was you asked me to look at him at ten o'clock while we no, were watching the Cavs game. So I thought it was earlier than that. You know what's crazy when you start watching that? Like I've watched eighty guys. What about so any of the offensive linemen? Jonah Williams is a baller. He's he's a baller. Yes, and he's a Bama guy. <laughs> and I think we have to consider and that. And you got a year before Trent Williams contracts up or you, right. or you make a choice. Cody Ford's also a very good player. Yeah. Junior coming out. I like Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. Dalton Reisner's my favorite prospect in this draft of all prospects. The Kansas State guy. He, he'll play anywhere across the line. And, and what everyone says is not left tackle, except he played left tackle exceptionally well. Locked down Sweat for an entire game. I think Sweat had one pressure when I watched that game against Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. So Mississippi State played K-State you, this year? I've, yeah. Okay. If you watch, or anything that Dalton Reisner's done, podcast, listen to him, you will walk away and go, "I love that dude." I actually sent him a message on Twitter. I was like, "Dude, you're awesome," and I met him at Redskins Park. Right, Great he dude. Was in. Every, he, he will. He is one of those guys. I don't think you lower guys because of the interview process too much. Because I think that there's this natural tendency to to not like people that aren't like you, but he is one of those guys that if he was a late second before he went to those Senior Bowl or whatever meetings and the Combine meetings, jumped into the first just because of his interview process. By the way, Sweat had a sack and three tackles for loss in the game against K State. Not against Reisner though. And Mississippi State blew him out. Um, yeah, but not against Reisner. Thirty-one ten. All right. Um. Anybody else? Sweat. Well, yeah, I mean, sweat's the, my guy, but you got to know the medical. Like, there's this you heart know thing a lot about that. Appa- yeah, I that apparently, hurt. he's had all you know his whole life. So <laughs> that's crazy scary. If Montez sweats there at 15 and he's okay, or you know, remember they sort of got that break with John Allen. You know, it wasn't a heart-related issue, but it, you know, the arthritic shoulder concerns that dropped Allen. If Sweat drops to 15, to me, he was a guy that eventually you're going to have to game plan for. Yeah, I would agree with that. In the NFL. But you got to know that he's okay. I, of course. Of course. Um, the other guy that I, I like, it's it's amazing these corners have all fallen. I know. You like I, you like I Murphy. Like, n- no, not at 15. He played I'm not two- saying at 15. Well, everyone likes Murphy okay, because so of his you, physicality. So and, the cor- I like Greedy Bank. Williams. Well, Greedy Williams was a baller. You know last what? Year you know what Greedy Williams' biggest knock is? Now nah, he doesn't want to come up and tackle in the run. Short game. arms, I thought. He doesn't want to come up. The biggest knock is that he's soft in the run game. Yeah. Who freaking cares? <laughs> in the in the game today. In the in the game today, do we have a guy that can cover? And I think Greedy Williams is really fluid in his transition from his backpedal to turn and run. He's got he's got uh, flow type of hips. I think he's a. I think he's tough. How much do you like? I Devin? think he's a. How much do you like Devin White? He's not going to be. He's not going to be there at fifteen. He's not going to be there. Five players in this draft easily. Devin White's a baller. Such a baller. What did you think? Devin of White not, might not be there after five. Right. What about Ed Oliver, who's not going to make it to fifteen either? I mean, I know there are character issues, but to me, 
you're drafting a guy that could become Fletcher Cox or Aaron Donald. I would agree with that. And what's amazing... And John Allen's never going to be Aaron Donald. He's going to be a really good player for a long period of time. Aaron Donald is next-level explosive. Right. And I think Ed, Ed Oliver has some of that next-level oh, yeah. quicks. Like, what, where John's so successful is his technique, and, and he's so powerful, but right. his technique is exceptional. Oliver is a... Dude, he's a bad mother to stop in the run game. He's in the backfield. And I think he's a better pass rusher than he... Got credit. I don't think he had a bunch of sacks. I don't think he had very many sacks this year. But he's getting doubled every single time. And when you translate into the NFL, you can't just double one player. I mean, right. You got other. Ed Oliver is going to be a big time pro. Now he he would be an. Int- I mean, if Ed Oliver were there and all of the character stuff checked out, and if it does, then he's more likely than not not going to be there. He he wouldn't be there at fifteen. But let's just say he is, because a bunch of quarterbacks go. Um, because he's an interior defensive lineman. Would that bother you because you've taken back-to-back years, John Allen and Deron Payne? Are you going to take the best player available on your board, even if he's a defensive tackle? No. No what? I'm not going to take him. There's going to be other players that are close enough. Close enough. Okay. I think there's going to be three or four guys at 15. All right, give me the list of players. Um, and before we do that, let, let me get a quick read in here for launch workplaces. If you're looking for new office space, um, fully furnished offices, brand new in the Bethesda area, consider launch workplaces. They're right there in the Mass Ave corridor. So if you live in Upper Northwest or Bethesda or Chevy Chase or Potomac, or even over the American Legion Bridge in Northern Virginia, consider launch workplaces. They've got fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, complimentary drinks, a cafe, Free parking, which is huge and plenty of it, 24-7 access. If you call today, you'll get a free two-day trial if you want it. By the way, they've got more than just offices. They've got co-working desks. So if you need a place to just come in one or two days a week, it works too. LaunchWorkplaces.com or call 240-800-6714. 240-800-6714. LaunchWorkplaces.com. Also, mention my name. Just so you know, they've got locations all over town. You can find out where those are at launchworkplaces.com. All right, give me the players. You've mentioned a couple already. A couple of the players that are projected to be somewhere in that 10 to 20 range that if the Redskins took it 15, you'd be disappointed with. I'm looking at Bucky Brooks's mock draft right now, and he's got Noah Fant going to the Bills at 9. I'd punt, I'd go burn my notebook for all the research that I did on all these guys that, I, by the way, isn't going to the Redskins at all. Yeah. But I'm like, no offense, not a first-round pick, Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, I, you know. Well, there's one guy. You just mentioned Noah Fan. Noah Fan is one, uh, DK Metcalf. Metcalf. Do not, he is not a get-the-ball-to-an-any-down kind of player, which means, in my opinion, he's not a first-round pick. Right. And I, I don't. There's just too much I don't like about DK Metcalf. Uh, any old lineman at 15, I don't particularly like. I think you can find guards down the list. I think you can find guards, although it would be interesting just because I said my guy, Dalton Reisner. But right. I don't think, I think 15 is too high for him. Devin White, the linebacker out of Michigan. Devin Bush. Devin Bush, the linebacker out of Michigan. He's getting so hyped. And I think a lot of it is his combine stuff, which is crazy. And it's, I mean, he was. Four four fast forty inch vertical, uh, unbelievable intangibles in terms of what don't you athletic like about ability. Him? I don't think he's a playmaker. He, well, I watched. I literally went through eight 
Michigan games, and I sped through a lot of these because in the first two games I said, why is he blitzing on every impactful passing down? And I came to this very clear resolution. They don't trust him to cover. He can cover man-to-man, but if they want to play zone, he ain't a zone cover guy. So you're talking about an undersized two-down inside linebacker? Right. He's an undersized Zach Brown, in my opinion. Now, trust me, sideline-to-sideline speed is there. Explosiveness is there. Violence is there. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I don't think he's a, a 15 overall pick. By the way, he can get picked easy in man coverage. I don't think he's got his head on a swivel enough. And I think he gets lost in terms of reading the run game. And then lastly, I used to say this about Perry Riley all the time, who I I love, is go make the play. Stop running to your gap if you don't have to run to your gap. And I see that with Devin Bush is stop running to a gap when there's a clear line to the ball. I think that he could take more clear line risks to the ball I think he gets caught in the wash. I think he oversees things with his eyes. You know how many picks he had? Zero. You know how many forced fumbles he had? Zero. And he had 60 tackles as a starting inside linebacker. You, That's um, not very many. About Perry Riley, you you laughed and you mocked Perry Riley one day on the show that you did with Zabe and Goldie. That. That's not funny. <laughs> because you said that the play was going in one direction I know, I know. and you showed it and he was running in the opposite direction. It was three seconds after the ball was thrown, he takes off the other direction. I'm like, right. how do you how does that happen? Um all right, so it's you, called it's called instincts for the ball. Metcalf you would be very disappointed with. Devin Bush, you would be very disappointed with. Any of the offensive lineman you'd be disappointed although with. it is really interesting you, if jonah williams did fall to 15 yeah. it's like i mean i know if I he's 15 he is your number one rated player on your board uh you've already said that any quarterback not named murray would be a disappointment nah, at 15. I'd, I'd be cool with lock you would be fine with lock at fine 15 with Lockett, yes okay um what did what about rashawn gary i am concerned with rashawn gary's ability to stay on the field you and I'm also not blown away by his pass rush ability. He's a stout. He's like a poor man's Cleveland Farrell to me. That's that's. You liked a, Farrell, but you, yeah, I, I'm. Like I, he's a big, strong dude. He can push the edge back in the run game. He can create some penetration. I don't see him as a dynamic pass rusher, and he doesn't play. He's out a lot when you watch Michigan. He's playing limited downs. Why? Yeah, I, I, college players don't rotate like th- NFL there, players. There was a lot of plays that you know for those that have watched a lot of tape of Gary that he took off. Um, oh, he's that, a loaf guy. Yeah, he, and that, he's you know he's a loaf guy because he's tired. Right. Uh, who else? Anybody else you'd be disappointed with at fifteen? I don't. So the corner out of Washington, Murphy, Byron Murphy. Yeah, they played so much zone that it's hard to say what he is. He, t- I think he's got more ball hawk skills than he's given credit for. Like you see him really trying to bait quarterbacks, but he gets beat a lot trying to bait quarterbacks as a zone corner. I just don't want a zone corner at fifteen. Okay, so Byron Murphy would be a guy that I would take further down the list. Um, real quickly, just back to Locke, who you would take, and you'd be fine with them taking Locke at fifteen and Murray, obviously, before even if they had to trade up for Murphy uh, for Murray. If they took Locke at 15, would you feel that they would have done better to have traded 15 for Rosen if that was even available? No. So you like Locke more than Rosen? Uh, 
Rosen's here's the crazy thing for me with Rosen. Some of his college film, his NFL film's bad, and his ball security is horrendous, which scares me to death. But you watch some of these college games that he played, and I went back and watched every UCLA game. You can get through game like the USC game. You're at the end of the third quarter, and you're saying there's not even a doubt that he's the number one quarterback taken. He's that freaking good. But then you start seeing him play him soft, and he's got some FU throws, and he does not want to throw the ball underneath, and I don't think he throws the ball accurately underneath. Arizona, I'll bet he incompleted. I will guarantee you he incompleted more screen passes than he completed. How does that happen? Same thing with Haskins with the with the yeah. swing stuff and right. like oh I don't I think he lacks touch. Like Haskins got this long elongated process. When he has to speed it up or go on the move, he's incredibly inaccurate. I both of them are very technical quarterbacks in the pocket, and they do things that that you got to teach quarterbacks in a big way. But as soon as they uh, have to speed up or change that process, neither of them can get out of the pocket. I think Haskins is another guy that he gets into the NFL. He gets sacked a boatload if he plays next year. And he checks down a bunch if he's not sacked, and it's ugly. Okay. I don't think th- I don't think that's going to happen anyway. I think that's been off for a while now. I mean, anything can I don't change. Think, I don't think it's Look, off. One of the you thi- wanna, I don't think it's off. Uh, okay. Do you, are you saying that as a hunch or hunch. Th- that you know something? No, I know nothing. Well, here- I'm saying that I don't believe all the reports. About that, that Rosen, um, it, that the Rosen thing is is dead. I, I just for a couple of weeks now, I've I've had I felt based on a couple of conversations that this wasn't going to happen, and I don't specifically know the reason why. I think one of the reasons could be that I think the obvious reason is Arizona wants too much, and the Redskins aren't willing to give up what they want. I also think one of the reasons potentially could be that Rosen maybe doesn't want to be here. Not that it's his choice, but that maybe he'd prefer to be traded elsewhere. And the possibility does exist that Rosen ain't going anywhere because they're not going to draft Murray. Let me just tell you this. Rosen has not been told one thing. People that have talked to his agent have come back and said they know nothing. Right. It has been completely hush in terms of what the future with Rosen is. So the idea that he doesn't want to be here... Not the case. And also, no teams can talk about Rosen because it's tampering. I, so, so you don't have anyone talking about I, Rosen? I understand but that. But I'll just tell you this right now. If you did that deal that was that was floated around there what, in the last month, a second, potentially next year's third and a fifth, I'd do it right now. I, I like him enough to do a second, next year's third and a fifth. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Versus take anyone in the first round, besides that, Kyle that's, Murray. That's been my position, that if you if you could get him for that package, I would do it. I do actually like Rosen more than any other quarterback, with the exception of the intrigue uh, uh, about Kyler Murray. Um, the thing that I wouldn't do is trade 15 for Rosen, but the thing that I would be upset about is if they used 15 on Jones, Locke, or Haskins, I would have rather sent 15 to Arizona for, for Rosen. I would have preferred that. I don't think the Rosen deal's dead for any team until you conclude the second round of the draft. I think Arizona will will hope to get somebody trading back into the well, first round. Well, it would be dead if they didn't take Kyler like Arizona, Murray. Like Arizona, you, and it's not dead because there are a lot of teams that need Did you to, hear what I just said? It would be dead if they didn't take Kyler Murray. Well, yeah. That, okay. okay. It's dead. Yeah. It's dead there. But if they didn't if take they don't, Kyler Murray, anybody, would that like, be a red flag on Murray? No. I don't think it would be a red flag on Murray. If Cliff Kingsbury, who many people think was brought to Arizona to coach Kyler Murray and then they Doesn't didn't mean... and they didn't take him. 
No, I don't think it. I okay. don't think it means that that there's a massive red flag on Murray. It just means that they like Rosen more than Murray, and it also means that they don't want to give the pick away of number ten from the year before. When you're looking at a guy like Jared Goff who flopped in his first year and then had a quarterbacks guru, and all of a sudden he's Jared Goff. They, it would be saying they believe that much in Cliff Kingsbury versus they don't believe in Kyler Murray, in my opinion. Right. Also, you look real bad if you could look real – the Arizona Cardinals, this is a bad spot for them. They could look real bad either way. You look really bad if you trade Rosen to somewhere and he has very good success this year. Even if Murray has success, you still look bad if you trade him for a second or a third. So I, I think that they're, well, have, they're, in, a, you, they're in a predicament. But you also you also look bad if you don't draft Murray and he's the MVP of the like He's new, the new Patrick Mahomes. Then you look bad as well. So I think they're in a tough spot. But you look at anyone that could need – you can't count out the Dolphins trading back into the first round to get to like 25 to then trade that pick to Arizona. You can't, you, you can't count out that New York wouldn't take him at 17 or trade that pick at 17. They're waiting to get a first. It's just harder the longer you wait when teams have already started all of their off-season stuff on the quarterback. Like, this deal for Rosen isn't going to happen unless there's an injury in July or August. No one's done anything in the off-season besides lift weights. I know. You say that all the time, yet they talk about how important it is to have a new quarterback in a new system from Got to be around his guys. I mean, remember when McNabb (laughs) came in and he was doing bench presses on the first day? (laughs) Remember this, too? The Redskins right now only have two healthy quarterbacks. The guy, Josh, whatever his name was, that they signed last week to be a a, a training camp quarterback. All right. Here's um, Here's a good for example. The Raiders are at 24. They're also at 27. Yeah. They don't like their guy. They could make a move at 27. It's not insane. The Patri- I wouldn't trade in the Patriots, but no, no, could, no. I, I, I think could do I, it at thirty-two. Anybody could trade I, back I, in. And uh, McShay said, "There's no way the Patriots are going to trade for Rosen." He does think that the Chargers are in play with their first-round pick for Rosen. Um, the biggest mistake the Redskins could make tonight would be what? The biggest mistake. You can say anything. Trading Trading. up to take Haskins. Okay. I agree with that. Trading up to take any quarterback other than Murray. Murray, I would understand it. I don't know that I would love it, but I would understand it. What if I told you you that it was a sure thing that Locke was going to go at 10? And if he wasn't going to go at 10, that it was a sure thing that he was going to go at 13? I wouldn't trade up for Locke. I don't I, think I'm with you. I don't think I, don't, I would either. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't take Locke at 15. And Locke's the one. I I I I liked Locke. You know, remember when we had the first conversations, and I said to you, "You're going to hate Haskins, but you're going to like Locke more." Um, and I like Greer a little bit. And if I would rather them in night two use that third round compensatory pick as a way to move up a few spots to take Greer, I would rather them do that. I actually wouldn't mind if they took Stidham in the third round. I, I I like him, but whatever. I really just want this team right now, given their position, to take really good football players, like the best football players that are out there, and not even worry about if it's a quarterback or a need. I think Bruce thinks he got himself a steal with Case Keenum. So let Case Keenum start next year. Sure, um, It's a good quarterback class. Here's another mistake. Trade back in the first and not get a guy. Right. Like when they didn't get J.J. Watt. 
like trade trade back in the first to say twenty four with Oakland who wanted to move up to take Haskins to pick up an extra like say third Haskins or, say, you know in fourth because or you could get some real value if Haskins is on the board and someone wants him at fifteen like that could give you real value to trade back in this draft okay I think that's why a lot of people are so interested in trading back this year because you could have Haskins or Haskins and Lock or any combination Here's Jones what on I would the board hate. and Here. all these guys and someone want to move up to get them. But then let's say you get all the way back and you're like, uh, who are we going to take here? I don't know. Let's take Jonathan Abram, the safety out of Mississippi State. By the way, he's a beast. I like that Abram. dude that wore 38. He, he actually, yeah. that, that actually might, that, I should stop that. I just read a name. That defense was so awesome. He is my favorite player on that defense. Oh, oh, the I think, I think, yeah. no, I he's think Jonathan great Abram, I think he's a nickel corner. I can play nickel. He's a great player. Plus, I mean, is he, is he big enough? I think he's a nickel. Okay, you think he's a nickel? I think he uh, he played nickel more yeah. than he played safety at Mississippi State. They called him a safety because he said safety. Is he even six feet? I don't. I don't really don't care. But uh, by the way, I think there's a lot of good safeties that you can get. You know, Maryland had uh, the Redskins had Darnell Savage in recently, and he's flying up the boards. Maryland safety, and I did get to see him play a lot, and he was by far and away their best defensive playmaker on a bad defensive football team. Um, he, you know, he turned in that four, three, five or whatever it was at the combine. Uh, and he is aggressive too. He's an aggressive player. I, I, I had a question and now I forget what it was. Okay. So trading up, uh, oh, the, the trade back thing, if they trade back because somebody wants Haskins at 15, first of all, I'd be shocked if Haskins is there at 15 and the Redskins don't take him. I, I would be surprised about that. I would not like it, but I would be surprised at that. But to your point, like trading back to 24, and let's just say they get Jonathan Abram, like the, the safety that they want to go side-by-side side with Collins, and that's great. But they missed out on Sweat, or for you, missed out on Burns, what the next Watt and or Von Miller? That's not what I want. I want a true blue chip player. Yeah, if that you trade back the game, if you trade back, everybody that you wanted on your board better be gone. Or there better be five guys that you want on your board still there. You know what? The One pro- or the other. You you better not trade back just for the purpose of trading back. One of the problems, and I mentioned this the other day. And the Redskins have been exceptional in the second round over the last few years, so maybe they should try to pick up another second. Um, one of the things that I, I, I don't like, it, I think people fall into this trap, and I'm not saying it's always wrong, but it's definitely not always right either, is this perception, and Doug mentioned it yesterday, and I don't even know you know, if we should take what Doug says is gospel anyway, but he said you know, better chance to trade back than trade up. There's this feeling that teams have, and then even fans have that trading back is so smart. Oh, you're so smart. You traded back and you got these extra picks. And oh, look at how smart they are. Uh, okay. Except you missed out on Brian Burns. You missed out on Sweat. Or you missed out on J.J. Watt. And you ended up with Juan Thornhill, who, by the way, is a safety I like from Virginia. Have you watched him? He is a good – Virginia's defense was sneaky good. I know. They, they've been sneaky good with that with that coach. They run um, pack line there. I, I know. Well, they do in basketball. <laughs> um, but but anyway, I, I you also need a willing partner. And to your point, if there's a quarterback there at 15, you could, you could actually leverage that in a way that isn't typical of moving back. And I wouldn't be against it, but I just want him to get a great player. I don't want him to pass on a great player on their board to pick up an extra third-round pick. 
to move back a few spots. Um, I wanted to also, did I already ask this or not? Is there anybody that's worth trading up for other than Murray in this draft, in your in your opinion? Anybody else they could trade up for that you'd be like, yeah, I'm for that? Hawkinson. Okay. But I'm not talking about trading to nine. Who's sitting there at like 13? Well, the, pro- the, the problem. The Dolphins probably not. He's not getting by Green Bay. He may not get by Jacksonville. You don't know that Green Bay is not going to take Marquise Brown. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I did want to look real quickly at the Alabama players in this draft because we'd be stupid not to consider the possibility that the Redskins have a lot of Alabama players on their draft board, right? Yeah, and you'd be stupid to consider the possibility that they didn't call in all their current Alabama players and sit them down and right. say, what's he like, what's he like, what's he like? All right, so let's, let's go in order. They're, they're not going to have a chance at Quinn and Williams. They may have a chance at Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle. I, uh, no. What, you, don't, you think he'll be gone? He's going to go. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants took him. Um, Alabama, they're not going to be in the market for a running back, and Josh Jacobs isn't even my favorite running back. Um, Irv Smith they may have a chance at, but you, you wouldn't take Irv Smith at at 15, and you've already said that you like him, but you don't love him. Yeah, I like him, don't love him. The player that they are going to take at some point is, I'll bet you, they, Deontay Thompson. They, they're going to take Deontay Thompson. Yep. I'll bet you almost anything that <laughs> I, somehow, some way will end up being their free safety. And by the way, if you were to get the guy out of Miss, Miss, Mississippi State, Abram. Abram, he's not the free safety. He's a nickel, in my opinion. Okay, so now, I would place him tomorrow as your nickel. He's smart. He's tough. Play the run. Play the pass. He's your nickel. Deontay Thompson is a six-one, two hundred-pound safety. Started at Bama. Um, he would be. He would be another Alabama player on their defense. He would fill a need because he's more free than Box, which which is Landon. Um, I he just I, had some struggles I, at times. He's I know. a play, but he he can go red line to red line. He's yeah. got some speed. He's got some playmaker, but he got out of position at times. That's the one that that I looked at too and said, "Oh, it's he's a Redskin." Just, <laughs> just, just chart it. Yeah. Um, there's also um, down the board. Um, there's a guy, Christian Miller, who was an outside linebacker um, for for Alabama that I could see the Redskins taking, you know, fourth, fifth round, something like that. Just another Bama player. It's the he, over Miller was a guy that didn't play as much because he was hurt all exactly. the time. Exactly. Right? Like Sean Deion Hamilton. You know, different player, but hurt but is a prospect. Right. Which is um, also, by the way, why I don't want to take a linebacker because you have both your Alabama inside linebackers. And I like Sean Deion Hamilton right now after watching Redskins film because I think he's incredibly instinctual. He's gonna he's gonna gain speed and ability, agility, whatever it is, because of He's coming off that injury. He'll be better than people expect, I think. Do you have any optimism about Ryan Anderson? Ryan Anderson has got to be healthy. He's been hurt a bunch over the last couple years or nagging injuries. Right. And I would say no as a pass rusher if Trent Murphy didn't do what he did in his third year. He changed who he was as a pass rusher in his third year. He became a dynamic pass rusher. I like a lot of what Anderson does. He plays with good technique, plays within himself. I don't think he's blazing fast, but I think he's got enough power that if he's got one or two speed moves, he's going to be able to use that power. So, yeah, I'm not going to just count out Ryan Anderson, but I'm also not passing on a true burst-edge pass rusher either. And just so we know, you don't, you're not deep at outside linebacker right now. I know. And you still don't have what you just said. You still do not have – that 
speed, fear-inducing pass rusher. You don't have that. You need that. You have to have that. See, I thought it was really interesting last year when you knew you had to know that you weren't going to be able to sign Preston Smith because you, you should be able to do that inventory, that they played Preston Smith when the season was over. <laughs> and, right. Instead of just playing Ryan Why didn't Anderson. Ryan Anderson start the entire last two games of the season? There's another player that they didn't do that with that I'm forgetting here for a moment. Um, at a position. They didn't play Fabian Moreau enough. He was hurt, right? No, not at the end. No, Fabian I, played outside. They, I, I thought if you looked at his snap count, it wasn't enough. I think he played. I think he started the last four weeks at corner outside. I want to. I want to get to a couple of other things because we're now. How long have we gone, Aaron, on this thing? And I want to get it out, and I want people to be able to hear it before the draft starts. Um, all right, I want to do you know sort of a a quick mock draft that leads us to fifteen, and then what we think they should do and what they will do. But real quickly. Because um, I just asked you what the worst thing they could do. Overall, just if you were in charge of this draft, what would be the best thing that the team can do or that you would do with this draft? What's a thing that they could do overall, not just tonight, but through this weekend that you would feel really good about? Like a philosophy or a player or two that they take or a position or two that they fill what 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 would make this a successful weekend fill positions of need with impact players that will play for you don't just acquire players that are on your board i would always draft i know that but the best thing that they could do is in their first pick get an edge rusher and with their second pick get a safety get a safety or corner get a third pick a wide receiver third pick get a a versatile tight end maybe he's not as versatile as hawkinson but get a versatile type of tight end who can move like if that kid warring were to fall into the third round draft warring in the third round get a guard in the fourth round who you believe in is going to start with you or a receiver in the second round who you like like there are going to be guys in every round that fill big needs you don't have receivers right now you need a corner you need a wide tight end you need an outside rusher you didn't fill those voids in free agency yeah i so in rounds one two and three here here let me this is the boat this is the best thing they can do in rounds one two and three get three starters Boy, they've had that lots will, of success in the second round with starters. Three rounds, three starters. Okay. And you got two shots in the third as of right now. By the way, quick aside, do they love Caleb Brantley? Like, are they really intrigued by Caleb Brantley? CP said that to me I yesterday. loved Caleb Brantley. Caleb Brant- when I went back, I think you and I were doing the show together, yeah. and I was watching Florida film. Caleb Brantley was a first-round pick. Yeah. Caleb Brantley had some issues. I like Caleb Brantley a lot, which is another reason why it's just insane to draft a D-lineman. You have Caleb Brantley, Tim Settle, Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, who just signed in, Jerome Payne. Right. No, you should be okay there. Out of your – out of – if Christian, None of those players are below – Christian the, Wilkins was there at 15. Out of your 30 best players on your – Oliver. Out of your 30 best players on your roster, five of them, five of them are D-tackles. Right. Let's do a mock draft. <laughs> Guess we want to stop the run. Let's do a mock draft to, 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 to finish this up. I want to up. do a mock draft. I want a pen, though, so I can write it down. Um – I'll write it down for you, okay? Uh, okay. You ready? No. Um, I don't have an extra piece of paper to write down and hand it to you. Who gets the first pick? Do we flip uh, a T? Yeah, flip a T. Ready? Here we go. Here's the T. So we're going to do this without it's, trades, it's, correct? It's you. You get the first pick. We're going to do this without the first trades? Pick. Yeah, we have to do it without trades. Don't we? No, we don't have to do it without trades. You want to you, wanna, you, we, hear, we, we you, you, like, you heard it here first? We're going to do it anyway. We, we, we can do trades. 
I'm no, I won't do trades. But you nothing, want, m- nothing ridiculous. That means you're going to go first. But here's my, you heard it here first. What? The Cardinals are going to shop that first pick. Would you trade up to number one if the Redskins? No. Okay. You just but, said you trade up to three for Murray. But, but you understand the difference of one and three. I do understand. You, and by the way, this is something I made this point yesterday or the day before. I forget. If you trade it up really like to three or into the top five, you're going to have to give up next year's number one. And you know what next year's number one is going to be? A top five to top ten pick. <laughs> no, it's not going to be that bad. They'll find a way. Oh, to get how it. much better is it going to be? They'll find a way to get at least fourteen. <laughs> okay, well that might be eight wins. It might be seven. It could be seven because seven this year equaled fifteen. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, you're on the clock. No, so I'm going to let you go first because I, I Ari- Arizona Kyler Murray. I, I really think that's going to happen. I don't. I I just still believe that. Cliff Kingsbury was hired so that they could draft Kyler Murray and he could coach him in his scheme. I don't, I don't. That's what I that, think. But I also think his air raid scheme fits some other guy named okay. Josh Rosen. Uh San Francisco is going to take Bosa. San Francisco is going to. Okay, so we go San Francisco. We go Bosa to San Francisco. Um, all right, at number three overall, the New York Jets don't trade it; they take Quinn and Williams. Okay. I like that pick. They are going to trade that pick, though. All right. I didn't trade it. You, you can trade you any can't, pick no, you, you want. No, you can't trade it. It's um, going to make this it. too complex. Oakland. So this, I get the I get the surprise pick of the draft. Boy, Aaron had the surprise pick of the draft yesterday at number four. With number four, the Oakland Raiders take Rich Gannon out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the – by the way, what's the surprise pick of the draft? You know what the – I said this. I'll guarantee you this. The Dan- Redskins are going to surprise people at 15. Daniel Jones would be a surprise at four. Aaron in our mock yesterday took Rashawn Gary at four. He said that that's a John Gruden kind of pick. Rashawn Gary at four? Yeah, that's that was his his pick. TJ Hawkinson. Ooh, <laughs> wow. That's high. I don't think anybody has had him that high. The highest I've seen Hawkinson was seven. seven to Jacksonville. Well, I got a surprise. It has to. They they claim it's a surprise. So if I were to say Josh Allen, are you surprised? Uh, no. no, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. So I Josh have to. Allen. So my pick keeps in play. Yeah, the surprise. Chris, Chris uh, your surprise could be what you said before, though. They're the ones who move up to number one. They shop twenty four or twenty seven. I I I would fully. Fully buy that. For the Murray, biggest and one of the first big-time supporters of Murray, John Gruden. Would you trade for Derek Carr if you're the Redskins? Oh, you know I like Carr. I know you love Carr. If they, well, here's why. Because if they just did what you, you just can, said, you they're could gonna, probably they're gonna afford sh- it, right? You'd have to look at the number. Oh, he he just signed that big – that deal's what? Oakland's got to eat the guarantee. 25 million? They got, Oakland's got to eat the guarantee. Like Like Denver had to eat a bunch of it with Keenum? I mean, smaller scale. Keenum scale. It's yeah, I understand. Completely different, but yeah, when you trade a player, you eat the right. guaranteed money. I know it accelerates too. All right, let's just stick with this. Murray one to Arizona, Bosa two to San Francisco, Quinn and Williams three to the Jets, T.J. Hawkinson. You've got going four to Oakland. I've got the fifth pick. Tampa Bay takes maybe the best defensive player in mm-hmm. this draft, Devin White from LSU, the linebacker. So you are now on the board with the Giants. The Giants take. Jonah Williams. Wow. I mean, we still have Josh. Ah! Do you want to take Josh Allen? Yeah, they're going to take Josh Allen. Okay. But they want Jonah Williams. 
All right, Josh yeah. Allen to the Giants. You, you don't. Ha- I mean, you you've got time. You you don't have to worry let about me, if let you me, set it. It's fine. Let me pull up my list of names here. Um, so are are you gonna put this out on Twitter like the Cooley no, Kevin mock draft? You no. should. Okay, well maybe we will. Um, I'm I'm with Jacksonville now, and I think Jacksonville in that spot. I don't think Coughlin goes at Oliver, although God, I mean, adding another impactful defensive player would be uh, would be interesting. T.J. Hawkinson was probably the target there. They need to protect Foles. Um, I think they go Jonah Williams, Jacksonville Jonah Williams, although I've seen a lot of people have Jawan Taylor rated higher than Jonah Williams, but I'm going to say Jacksonville goes Jonah Williams at number seven, Detroit on the clock. Yeah, I like that pick of uh, Jonah Williams. So you got Detroit here. You're, you've got Detroit here. Yeah, no, I. yes. In our draft, I now have Detroit. Right. I mean, they, they'll take Oliver. Yeah, I think they would probably take Oliver. I mean, boy, unless – you know, there's, they, there may be some teams that have Oliver off their board. There could be teams that have Oliver and Gary off their board. I think Gary's dropping. Buffalo then on the clock goes Jawan Taylor. This is who I had with you yesterday. They go offensive lineman Jawan Taylor um, at number uh, at number nine. So now number ten Denver, and this would be the first, the the next opportunity after Oakland and the Giants. You know who both we didn't have taking quarterbacks could go quarterback. Who do you have Denver taking? So here's where this is really interesting. Two days ago, I would have told you Locke. But, you know, the I think it was Charlie Casserly on this podcast, you asked him, mm-hmm. Do you, did you ever look at the mock drafts? And he said, not until the last week. Right. Because all of the information coming into those mock drafts was essentially from teams. Right. Drew Locke's fallen big time in a lot of these mocks. So he I has. think a lot of these teams are saying in the – Drew Locke fell this week, correct? Yes. Well, the last day, really. Although so Dan- Kuiper's got, uh, I think Kuiper's mock this morning had the Redskins taking him at fifteen. So, but to that point, Denver basically told Schefter or someone that's not what we're going to do. Kuiper's uh, mock this morning had had Locke at fifteen. Kuiper has Haskins at Denver. Huh? I said Kuiper. Yeah, has 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 Denver taking Haskins now? Yes. Yeah, and McShay. Has Devin Bush um, to Denver, which you think would be a massive mistake. All right, you're you're on the clock with Denver. Let's go. I realize that I'm on the clock. Well, I mean, you may have to pass on this pick. I can't. No, I'm not going to pass on this <laughs> pick. I'm going to go ahead and take the pick. So I wouldn't be surprised if Denver took the next O tackle. It's Andre Dillard. Okay, Dillard. But boy, they need. I'm going to just tell you right now that John Elway finds a way to draft defense, and he's going to take Jeffrey Simmons. He's he's not going to be ready to play. You know that about him with the ACL. Like the, the, he is a late season at best player. That's the problem with with Simmons. But there are reports out there that some people legitimately view him as the best defense or one of the best defensive players in the draft. I, I understand that. Yeah. I'm just saying you take Simmons. You're, he's not playing for you for most of 2019. And Denver, you know, they traded for Flacco. They've got a good defense. They think they're ready to win. I actually don't know why Denver wouldn't be thinking about playmaker at wide receiver. I'm not saying Metcalf because we don't like Metcalf. If they're thinking about playmaker, then they're trading that pick. 
I mean, because I don't think they're going to take. Boy, how good would Hawkins? How good would Hawkinson be with well, Flacco? Course, I would put Hawkinson there if I didn't but have he, to do the. Right. He's not, I don't think he's falling past 10, are, and I certainly don't think he's falling past 12. All right. Are, are you sticking with the Simmons pick? Yeah. Okay. Simmons to Denver at 10. So now I'm on the clock with Cincinnati, and I this is whew, Haskins, Locke. I'll go Andre Dillard. I'll go uh, the offensive lineman, the three offensive linemen, uh, and throw Cody Ford in there. All of these players are going to end up going faster and earlier than most people think because a lot of people like all these guys. They like Taylor. They like Jonah Williams. They like Dillard. They like Ford. They like Lindstrom. A lot of these offensive line guys are going to go, I've got, I'm, I'm going Dillard to Cincinnati at 11, and now you've got Green Bay's pick. See, this is where Marquise Brown comes into play as the biggest playmaker. But I think they go defense and they go Cleveland Farrell. Boy, I've seen Farrell really drop recently. Um, but everybody's thing is different. I, I think Christian Wilkins is a sure thing, is a leader, smart, really effective player. I, I think he's going to go before so take him with your 13th in this draft. Pick. draft. Um, no, 13 is Miami, and that's where the first quarterback goes after Murray. And I said this yesterday, I think it's going to be Locke, and I know Locke's been dropping for some reason, but I just personally think Locke's better than Haskins. I think Miami's going to try to get their quarterback. I've got Miami taking Locke. So now we are at Atlanta, and then we'll do the Skins pick together. Atlanta's on the clock. By the way, Sweat's still there. Burns is still there. Um, Ford is still there. Uh, Brown is the receivers are still there. Atlanta takes Cody Ford. Wow, we got to have a lot of offensive linemen in that draft. We had four. Oh yeah, but you got Wilkins linemen. though. Is the other thing? Yeah, Christian Wilkins is still. You can take. You can back up and take Wilkins. Get sweat there too. So they they struggled so big in terms of protecting Matt Ryan last year. They couldn't protect him. Right. And Atlanta believes in that offense, and they had a ton and of stick young... with Ford. Yeah, they're going to go Ford. Okay, so there it is. There's our mock, and now we're going to get to the Redskins, and we're going to say who the Redskins will pick, and then we're both going to say who they should pick based on this mock. The mock again: Murray one to Arizona, Bosa two to San Francisco, Quinn and Williams three to the Jets, T.J. Hawkinson four to Oakland, Devin White five to Tampa, Josh Allen six to the Giants. Jonah Williams, 7 to Jacksonville. Ed Oliver, 8 to Detroit. Jawan Taylor, 9 to Buffalo. Jeffrey Simmons, 10 to Denver. Uh, Dillard, 11 to Cincinnati. Uh, and then we had, Cle- you, you picked Farrell for Green Bay, right? Yeah, I like F- Farrell. Farrell goes to Green Bay at 12. Locke goes to Miami at 13. And Cody Ford goes to Atlanta at 14. So that leaves at 15. That leaves Haskins on the board. All right, obviously. Sweat on the board. Burns on the board. Um, all of the wide receivers on the board. Uh, you don't like Noah Fant. Uh, and because you don't like him, I don't like him, so I won't even mention him. Um, we did not take Devin Bush, but you wouldn't take him. Who do the Redskins take? And then who do you think they should take? 
based on this? Who will they who will they take and then who should they take? Because it's two separate questions because neither one of us is totally confident in the people picking out there. I'd be fine if they took Sweat. I'd be fine if they took Burns. I'd be fine if they took Hollywood Brown. Would you find would be would you be fine if they took Wilkins? Will you stop? I said I'm not taking a D tackle, so no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I what you know what I wasn't fine. I didn't like the pick last year of Deron Payne. I know you and didn't. by the way, I still don't like that pick, although he's been great. There was a safety yeah. who went to the Chargers. Plays for the Chargers, damn pretty damn pretty good, good player. player who was a no brainer playmaker. Yeah. Blue chipper. Right. Game changer. All right, so who is it? Who will they take? Who should they take? Think in terms of who they will take right now. They're on the board right now. Haskins is sitting there. What are they going to do at They're 15? Gonna ta- I think they'll take him. I do, too. I do, too. I think they're going to take him. And I, I don't think Jay Gruden wants him. I I'm not convinced that all the uh, football people want him. I think Doug might like him. I think Dan and Bruce might like him. And I think tonight that there's disagreement on this pick and Dan takes his fist, pounds it on the table and says, we're going Haskins. I'll take his pick. See, that's the Haskins at 15 with four players still on the board that I like. Would, like if, if three O-linemen came off the way, or we had four O-linemen come off in the mm-hmm. first 14 picks. Right. If those four O-linemen came off in the first 14 picks, which left you Sweat, Burns, Brown, Lindstrom. And you didn't, you have the ability at that point to say, hey, New York, if you like him, move up a couple By the way, spots. Jones, hey, Jones is still there. You know what I mean? Anybody could cut. That's where, if those four alignment come off, there is trade back value. Yeah. If they don't, if you only have, like, let's just say, you have Burns on your board as a guy that you could take at 22 or 20 that might fall, and that's it, you can't trade that pick. But if you have three or four guys there, you can move back. Yeah, it's just Especially how, how, far, how far can you move back? That's the issue. You don't want to move back so far that you don't have a chance for those guys. You know, you got Carolina coming up next. They may want another defensive pass rusher. They may want uh, – well, they drafted a receiver last year. Um, they're not going to draft a quarterback. And then remember the Giants at 17, you know, that's when you would expect them to potentially take Jones or Haskins. So you're not you're How not, about you're, what about this? You're not able to trade what back about, a what lot. About, what about this? What? What if someone gave you next year's first? For what? How how For far 15. back? How far back? I mean, you're t- at that point, 50 What if Miami gave you next year's first and a third? They've already drafted. Right. You're moving out of the first round to take two firsts next year. They're going to give you their first next year? Sure. And what else are they going to give you? What if they gave you just next year's first? Miami's? I'm going to consider Miami's because next year the quarterback first because is like, quarterbacks next year. This is the one thing we didn't get to. Tua? The entire class next year. I know. If you had two firsts, even if you won eight games or seven games, you then can move up. 
How interesting would it be if the Redskins traded number 15 tonight to Miami, a team that's going to more likely than not stink in 2019, at least. But you had them taking locks, so they wouldn't do that. But if they didn't, what if you could get next year's first from one of the teams that didn't take a quarterback and said, you know, this guy Kevin Sheehan's talked about just ripping this team apart and building for the future. And you said, I don't care if we win five games this year. Let's start moving the pieces around to get the quarterback next year. If you could get next year's first, that's where it becomes really interesting. What else are you going to get? What if you get nothing else? No, the immediacy of getting into that, it, there's leverage there to get more than just next year. You're year's not going to get that much more. Uh, what if you uh, – I don't know what Miami has. I, I would want something else. A third? I, I think you could get more than that. I think if a team really wants so you, to so get – So you're going to get another – best case, you're going to get next year's first and another second. And this year's second. It's interesting. I would do it now. Ne- be- I would do it. But remember, next think- year's first is a question mark, but not so much with Miami. But really, and if yeah. you're talking about Jake Fromm and Tua and some of the players that are going to be on the board, Justin Herbert, like a better quarterback class right now by miles. But remember this. But Montrez Sweat is a question mark happen. with a heart condition. Burns is a question mark with size. Hollywood Brown's a question mark with size, and he's coming off a Liz Frank injury. Anybody that you draft is a question mark beyond those mm-hmm. guys to be a surefire thing. Yeah. So next year's first gives you two firsts. Yeah, I know. And you just say... And there, there's something there's something about it that is very, uh, very intriguing. I'm looking to see where Miami. What if you take what if Miami, you do- Miami has in the second round number 48 overall? Like it would be more interesting if Oakland said, "Hey, um, we're going to give you 27 overall, and we're going to give you next." They're not going to give you two firsts. Well, to move to up get to, to to move up twelve spots. Remember, you know all this draft chart stuff. If you look at all these quarterback deals, and eleven of the last twelve quarterbacks drafted have been traded up for. Sure, it's been a lot of mix of nothing that directly equates to the draft. Any well, of these quarterback drafts. doesn't equate to the chart. I know. So what I'm saying is, let's say in Oakland said, you know what, uh, you know J- John calls up Jay and says, we'll give you we'll give you our first next year. And and we'll give you twenty seven. You know, right it'd be now. really cool. Or we'll give you thirty five. They've got thirty five, which is the third pick in the second round. Give you thirty, but see the problem. No, with, I don't like thirty five for that. Yeah, because Oakland next year is going to be in I'll the take, middle I'll of take, the standings. I'll take Burns before I take thirty five. But here, here is here is my dream scenario as we just played this out. You take uh, in some capacity next year's first from one of the ter- first fifteen teams, and then you trade for. Drew Rosen with your second, and you just punt on this year's draft, and and you, maybe you get a guy that you love in Rosen, and you get a year with him well, under why, no why salary. Why are we even and, talking about this? And then you have this two is first stupid. Th- no, you know why? You know why it's stupid? It's, it's not it's stupid brilliant. to have the conversation because I, we, we're enjoying it. Why are we talking about? Because I'm here and I'm, I'm because a weird dude. because it's not going to happen. They think they're close. They think that they are. But you've you know, been trying to corner me into Dan taking over the draft, and maybe he doesn't think they're as close. Maybe he actually wants to rebuild a little bit and just knows that this isn't that this team wants to win right be, now but be, he doesn't because care. if that were true he would have fired Bruce and Jay at the end of this year two months ago three months ago if he didn't if he didn't agree with Bruce that they're so close to nine wins in a wild card berth next year he would have fired them all and started over he he agrees with all of them 
He thinks the fans are just disappointed and that the injuries so have derailed their last two why, seasons. Like that's all I said. Why, why did you try to corner me into something there? That's <laughs> a snake. So based on the mock here, what's what's the what's the pick at fifteen? You say it's Haskins. I say I, I'm going to say it's Haskins too. Although Jones wouldn't surprise me. Now, what do you think they should do based on our mock at fifteen? Burns, Brown, Sweat. All fine. Or trade it to Miami and get next year's first. Well, I'd be fine if if you had if like I said, if four alignment came off the board, I would be fine moving back because you would you would essentially create four players behind you that you like. Right. Assuming Sweat's medical is okay, that would be the guy that I would would want. I would be very excited. <laughs> so that's what everyone wants at five. I would I would be so excited to see that guy play for this team next year with the other young core, young talent that they have on the team. Uh, I would I would love Sweat. I would not mind Marquise Brown at 15. Oh, I love Brown. Because I think he is a game changer. So One of five in this draft. Exactly. So that's what I would do at 15 staying there. But I think they'll take the quarterback Haskins and maybe even it could even be Jones based on what we just came up with. Are the Raiders all, really going to surprise somebody? I'm sorry? I said, are the Raiders really going to surprise somebody? You and Aaron both think so. Aaron had him taking Gary yesterday. You got him taking Hawkins. Aaron, there's no way they take Gary. You say that. I mean, here's the thing. Gary's fallen. Here's the thing with John Gruden and why, even though I suggested that trading up for one, he hates rookie quarterbacks. He's always ha- That's why he lost his job in Tampa is he hates young quarterbacks. True. So if it's a surprise, he's looking for one of those – you know, crazy athletic defensive players, which is why Rashawn Gary, or he's looking at wide receiver. And I'm not willing to, even though it would be very John Gruden, I'm not willing to put DK Metcalf or Hollywood Brown that high. Maybe they trade number four for a veteran quarterback. Yeah. Who? Rosen? No, a veteran quarterback. I know. Who's the veteran quarterback you're going to trade for? Yeah, I mean, who would you? There's nobody left. Maybe maybe they trade number four for Phillip Rivers. Trade for Colt McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, like that's no. why I'm saying. Here's the thing with Gruden, though. Well, Sorry, here's, I wasn't here's paying the reason, attention. Here's there. the reason they're not going to take. Hold Gary. on, I wasn't paying attention there for a second because <laughs> you know every once in a while I'll just put in hashtag Redskins into Twitter, and somebody said the Redskins have just traded for Josh Rosen. And then I checked the guy; he's got three followers. Of course, he's trying to drum it up. But um, here's the reason: the, the Gary thing is like Gary's falling to twenty in most, and he's not going in the top fifteen. But they have twenty four and twenty seven. Right. So if they wanted him, there's a pretty good chance they'd get him. Again, like that's why they're, they, that would be a surprise, though. It's a surprise, and I don't think they're taking Hawkinson. Like, I know, but Hawkinson's going to go in the top ten, right? But not to Oakland. I just think they don't have a tight end. They just lost their tight end. It's true. Jerry Cook had a boatload of catches for them this year. John wants to run. 97, 1997 to 2005 style offense. By the way, he Mc- doesn't want to innovate. McShay's got Burns going eight to uh, to uh, Detroit. Here's the other reason they could take Hawkinson because they have no concern about their job security at any point. So build the team you want to build. It's true. Get the guy you really want. If you know you're not going to get him at 24, I hope they think long term. Anyway, I, I, that's I, a good long term answer. Of course it is. Look, if they ended up drafting Jonah Williams at 15 tonight, if he were there, or a tackle. Oh, now you're talking. You're you're you were hashtagging because we're talking about the Raiders still. But go ahead and talk about the Redskins. <laughs> this is your show. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, I, I was. 
Um, hey, uh, Zuckerman. So, uh, what do you think about? <laughs> is that what? That's what you did one year, right? With Zuckerman? No. Was that me? I asked him a question. Oh yeah, and then I just I asked repeated him, the question. I, no, yes, here, here's, what right, right. here's what happened. Here's what happened. Just right. so you know, Aaron. I, I, I asked him this. two questions because we'd go two, 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 two. Yeah. I asked him two questions, and then it's Kevin's turn. So Kevin asked him the same first question I asked him, and Mark says, oh, I just answered that. So he asked the exact same second question, and Mark's like, what is going on? I do remember that. And I and I literally, I, I, I called Mark up afterwards. I'm like, I'm sorry. I The truth of the matter is I wasn't listening to you. I was sitting there looking at some mock draft, probably. You were looking at some conversation. No, the gambling we, thing came up that, that day. That we had to have. No. Oh, the legalized the, gambling came up that day, and Kevin was enthralled. I was. Like, his face was about two inches from the computer screen. Exactly. By the way, since you put me on the spot all day, yeah. how happy were you that the Caps lost last night? <laughs> I wasn't happy, mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. I just don't care one way or the other. I mean, if you're- Come if, on. Are you if you're asking me was I like shattered? No, were you not please, at all. Were you like pleased I, you don't have to talk caps anymore? No, I actually, you know what, the, I mean, my and I and you know this to be true because we talked about this a lot when we did the show together. Some of our best guests were hockey guests by far. Greg Wyshynski, Joe Beninati, Craig Lachlan, like all of these people, Al Koken, all these people that talk hockey, I find to be always great interviews. Yeah, because. Anything they say, we're going to believe because we don't know. Remember jack when we about had hockey. Doc Emmerich on on the show? That guy's awesome. Uh, Barry Melrose, all of them are interesting. I actually, so everything you're saying I means you can't hockey. talk hockey, and you. There's no doubt. I'm Caps not great slower, at talking they? about. I, I've already done. We've already done the. You didn't I even the other day. You didn't even watch and the, the game. The first thing Kevin comes out with, I'll openly admit I didn't watch it. The first thing Kevin comes out with was, "Yeah, I just thought the Caps looked a little bit slow." <laughs> well, I was, laughed so hard. That in my was car. the thing. Yeah, you texted me. You said, oh, so the Caps were slow. No, you said Carolina was fast. I'm like, yeah, they look fast. You know what they did a great job of in this series? Forechecking. You thought it was all about the, the sh- sharper skates. At one point in the third period last night, the hits were tied 250 to 250 in the series. <laughs> you you really, it's last night you, you texted me and you said, there is no doubt that Carolina's skates are sharper. That's not true. <laughs> I would have said that, but that did not happen. All right, so you've got them taking a quarterback at 15, Haskins, because he's going to be there, and I have them taking Haskins at 15 as well. Um, but we would both prefer something else. Bottom line, uh, my hope is that it's sweat or, you know. Next year's I, first from somebody else. I mean, certainly the Miami thing would be intriguing. If, if you thought you could have your own pick in Miami's pick and you were realistic about, you know what, we're not going to be very good in 2019. And neither's Miami. And Miami isn't either. And it's a draft loaded with, you know, quarterbacks. So now you're getting Jake. Could, now you're getting Jake, knows about you're Trevor getting, Lawrence? You're getting Jake Fromm next year. Jake Fromm or maybe Tua. Who the, who knows? Maybe Miami goes one and fifteen, and you're sitting there, and you got Tua, and now all of a sudden you can, you can convince Nick Saban to come coach the team, Jake, which will never happen. Jake Fromm will go first, huh? Jake Fromm will go before Tua. Really? I don't think anybody would say that right now, but I, I actually like Jake Fromm a lot. And then, by the way, the receiver from Alabama is the guy next year. That guy Jerry Judy. There's always next year's guys. I, I mean, that guy Judy is he's uncheckable. Oh, he's awesome. Is that um, what we're doing next, 2020? Uh, yeah, we're not going to do that right now. Uh, I don't I don't like the Oregon quarterback, though. I would not want him to be the quarterback. I'll tell you who's really good. Mm-hmm. The Utah State quarterback. What's his name again? Jared Love. Or Love. Not Jared Love. I played baseball with Jared Love. Love is his last name. Got it. He's good. 
He'll be good. He'll be a first rounder. All right. Um, this was fun. I appreciate this. You don't want to hear about my golf game, or no? Because we got we got to get this. <laughs> no, thing. you got to go. You got to go. We got to get this show out. This is way too long. We for just a spent two hours plus, right? Did we? Two forty-five. That's going to be the length of the show today. Yeah. We Ooh, just boy. We just got the longest one. This is the longest one ever. And you know what did I tell you last night? I said I, I need you for like forty-five minutes. <laughs> no, you didn't. I know. Um, all right. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. it. And uh, you can't do tomorrow because you're going to be traveling to Orlando to take your ja- kids. Jacksonville first. Jacksonville first, and then yeah. you're going to do the whole Disney World thing with the kids, which is, oh, boy, that's fun. Um, real quick word on Scentbird. Uh, Scentbird's a luxury fragrance subscription service. It's a way to discover new colognes or perfumes without having to buy an entire bottle. This is important because good colognes and perfumes can be expensive, and many of you aren't sure exactly what you want or you've just gotten tired of what you've been wearing. Whatever Cooley's wearing actually smells great, but you should use Scentbird because you may want to try something new. And Scentbird makes it easy. First of all, they've got plenty of designer brands to choose from. Gucci, Tom Ford, Kenneth Cole, Burberry, Prada, and more. You choose the cologne you want to try. They'll send you a 30-day supply. I tried it. My wife tried it. It makes sense. It's easy. You can check out user ratings and reviews on any cologne uh, just to see what other people think. And Scentbird has a quiz you can take to discover more personalized recommendations. Here's the offer right now for my listeners only. Get 50% off your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first cologne or perfume. Go to Scentbird.com slash KSDC. Use my code K is in Kevin, S is in Steve, D is in Doug, C is in Charlie, and you get 50% off your first month. That's Scentbird, S C E N T B I R D.com slash KSDC for you to try your first cologne or perfume for just $7.50. Sign on, smell amazing. Cooley thinks they'll take Haskins at 15. I think they're going to take a quarterback at 15, that one of them will be there, Haskins or Locke. Uh, But we would both prefer somebody else. Uh, My pick would be Sweat if he's there, and your pick? Sweat, Burns. Somebody like that, other than a quarterback. Marquise Brown. Uh, wouldn't mind Brown either. All right. Uh, we are back tomorrow. We're going to do an early show tomorrow as a recap for the draft. In fact, we're going to try to get it out super late tonight, try to get some guests on, um, to talk about it from, uh, the Ashburn perspective, people that are out there covering the draft in Ashburn. Uh, but the show will be available much earlier tomorrow morning. Uh, it was long today, but, uh, this is certainly one of my favorite things to do. Um, is to hang out with Cooley. And we were going to go play golf today, but he can't do it. Um, So we'll do that at another time. Uh, Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to everybody. Have a great day.